Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Last Talk More Movies, the show where we try and talk about movies, but never talk about anything and everything else. I am your host, Michael Breslin. To my left is... Jeffrey Dahmer. No, Jeffrey. <laughs> to my right is... Buddy Bulger. No, uh, call him here. <laughs> and he's also here... Dominic Feynman. And the musical genius that is... Ryan the Music Man McGarrigle. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> the first time he's ever got to hear his fair masterpiece as well. Uh, yeah. J- actually, listen to that back now in the room with me was absolutely terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I realised the errors of my ways. I must never do this again. I know, and the, the strange thing, Scrub, is that I would have seen that as you peeking that, that song. <laughs> I, think I, I think that's the highest you can go. Like, like I said before, all I want to do is make you look as ridiculous as possible. I would you're going to say something really GT. All I want to do is make music, man. <laughs> <laughs> How have you not heard it before you've been on the, the show? He I'm always playing. does a live one. Ah. Broke the string, broke the G string in the guitar. Yeah. I think he purposely broke yeah. that string. He was, so he he was very much against it on a live one. Tonight. He was attacking that G string. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, want, I, want I was saying it's, it's tuned, man. It's tuned. It's tuned, man. Stop tightening it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. As ridiculous as it is. As big as this, the most pride I've ever taken in anything I've ever made is just looking around the room at you and just the head just bopping from side to side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a funny an error move. The first time I heard it, I thought you were taking a puss. I was like, oh, like, oh. No, I was. No, no, you were taking a puss. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair enough. But then it, it, it has become an error. I find myself humming it in the toilets and stuff well, sometimes. When I'm humming it all the time. Just, just before the podcast starts, my balls sort of retreat into my body. What, what is and that? then when that... <laughs> they they <laughs> come back true. down and then start what just... What's that called? It's called the, the, old, the old grey whistle test. Yeah, like yeah. in some studio when they could hear the, the cleaners whistling it back then you knew they had a head if yeah. I can just get people humming yeah. themselves in the bogs then we know we're on yeah, yeah. <laughs> or make people's balls descend <laughs> <laughs> bring on early onset PB <laughs> <laughs> he's got the magic <laughs> Sean Coyle. I had Danger Ball this week. Where's this drawer I've heard so much about? That's here, though. You ever seen one, though? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got Danger Ball this week. And I thought I would treat ourselves. Oh. Because we, we went all the kind of exotic and shitty red wines. Like the, what did you call it again? The the shea pig that was rotten. I thought I should I'm get some. That wasn't a wine. <laughs> that wasn't a wine. It was made of fucking uh, eggs and milk and whatever else you can fetch in your coffee. It was breakfast. a wine drink. Wine based drink. Wine based drink. But the. The milk is used during the pasteurization process of wine. Okay, farm boy. 
Okay. This is a fact that I learned from a previous guest. Fun fact, Freddy. Who was the previous guest? Colin Norby. Ah. I, I don't recall this, but like, at what point? Well, uh, pasteurized milk. Why would you say pasteurized? Well, I'm probably using the wrong terminology. So when obviously the 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 grapes are being mushed down, they use the milk to get rid of whatever might be in the I don't know yeast. Does yeast grow in grapes? You'd you'd want the yeast in there to ferment the alcohol. Right, I'm stopping this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm just cutting this This, off because it's it's, it's turning the ball my science guy fucking podcast. Obviously, it needs more research. We'll figure it out. Uh, I thought I'd treat us this week because it's a drink that I often get. Like it was five fifty, fifty paper. You know, don't be fucking slip me. But you can deduct it from a previous one. Is this it? week's danger bottle is. Is it eight cans of Kerrisburg? It is not. <laughs> it is a fair bottle of Savannah peach schnapps. Oh. oh! I have never once seen you drink that. It is me. <laughs> no, I'm always, of course, I'm always a vodka and fucking coke sort of way, but this Aye. always sitting in the press for a fucking y'all a wet Tuesday or something like that. Aye. Three side arm, we forty five. You don't store drink in the press. I do. I've, I've had a bottle of glue in there for about six months. But uh, I, I, I that's water. I replaced that. It's going your ah, Well, that's why I haven't touched <laughs> it for fuck's sake. Uh, Savannah peach schnapps. It's lovely. Fifteen percent. Pretty standard description. Enjoy Savannah peach schnapps over crushed ice or blend with fruit, juice, lemonade, and tonic water. However you enjoy Savannah, enjoy it chilled. So we'll crack it open. We do. We do. We do. Any of those things? We, we have none of those things. It would be we nice to have those. We do shots or what? Or? Uh, no, you can just drink it straight from the bottle, right, like a motherfucking gangster. So, what's the percentage? It's fifteen, but actually, it's just like juice. It's so yeah. nice. Get on me. Right. It's going to send me metal. I know. It's 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 like a walk on a fine metal. The tropical metal. It's it's a one of them deceptive ones though. It just tastes so nice when you yeah. you, you don't realize it's fifteen percent. It, yeah. right? it tastes so nice. Then you got half a bottle going. You're fucking sleeping in the car park or something. Th- this mm. being my second time in the podcast, I think I'm gonna wait. What, what is it that they put in schnapps that always peach. makes it? Peach. Is it just peach? <laughs> it's always peach. I'm assuming it's peach schnapps. and then all sorts of additives. Like, well, you can yeah, get yeah, quite loads of sugar peach. too. I, you can I get like, like peppermint peach. schnapps and stuff as well. That's really sick, man. Though, and see, I'm, I'm not a licorice all sorts of man. No, I'm not. Well, I love it, licorice, but well, I can't. What does that have to do with anything? Because that's kind of peppermint flavored licorice flavor. Well, no, it's licorice flavored, not peppermint. Mm. I suppose yes. I've been proved completely wrong there. What is peppermint again? It's just a minty, just a strong mint, does it? No, it's a, it's more like a kind of sweeter mint. Mm-hmm. You, you sure mints. not? <laughs> I know so much about mints, Sh- I don't know. Surely isn't peppermint the more like tingly feeling in your that's mouth? Like, yeah, it's like after it's, that's like, peppermint, isn't it? Is that the mint leaves? No, no. or mint stalks? Why are you like, you're delving on so much? They flavour today. Oh, what's up, we? Right, all my knowledge, all my knowledge that I'm doing is insane about peppermint. Dumb. Wait, I know this. It's the same way you get like with cress. You know, you get like peppercress and all that. Peppermint is just the, the type of plant, the type of mint. That I you see. From, and spearmint okay. is the type that. It's very very simple. Okay. Okay. Also, as a side note, when I was buying uh, the peach nuts today in Tesco, I was oh. in a rush because uh, I had to go. Uh, meat leads after work and shit like that there and I just had that and a 10 glass of vodka but there was a boy behind me in the queue and he had this is the entirety of a shopping was four bottles of wine and a tub of peanut butter <laughs> so that man was going for a serious party so I've, no, I've no, done no, that no like a one man party like, that's but a that lonely night party. that is a lonely night that's that's some not showing up empty handed I'll tell you <laughs> <laughs> put that in your bread put that in your throat that's a man who's Sweet. drinking who's drinking through the weekend alone no doubt do you like that scruff? I'm pretty certain I had like a like a toilet cleaner that smelled exactly like this. Well, oh, there's yeah. there's yeah. an odd aftertaste mm. of like shit 
Yeah. It starts like, off or good. like old fruit or something. It starts off good and then turns to shit like every half decent relationship. So Came out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> you try to tell us on Shan? You you lights on the rock. We're definitely just bossing up. I'll tell you everything. You'll know all my secrets. Let's talk more confessions. <laughs> Actually, said before we started that I, I wanted to get a, a story out of Shan tonight. You just got one about your man Tesco, a peanut butter, a stack of wine. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean a meaningful story. That's meaningful. I think like, that boy. Like Dom feeling about his cock. When he was twelve or whatever, and that boy listened to oh, the podcast. Yes. And apparently, was not impressed. Yes. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, I didn't. I didn't mention. Uh, was it just you? Yeah. I. I That's s- a great way to find out that you have listeners, isn't it? <laughs> I, 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 I just tell I, stories about them. No, hello. A great way to find out if you have listeners. Announce crimes during the podcast and see if anybody gets back to you. See if you get the cops at your door a couple of days later. Scrolls taking notes on the what he's no, doing. No, no, just ignore this because if you see it, it'll break it. I'm just playing a wee game. Okay, right. He's playing Let's Talk you... More Movies Bingo. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what crimes will be admitted on the podcast? <laughs> hot, hot no. Vindaloo number 22. But <laughs> 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 just Scrolls actually playing Let's Talk More Movies Bingo. <laughs> oh, this is a. Ladies and gentlemen, if, uh, if you're listening at home, we will uh, get the rules of this game out to you very, very soon. Oh, no, no. You're not playing, but everybody else can play along. Like, I'll reveal what I had written down at the end. We'll see how many we got through. If you hear me shouting house or anything, or like, <laughs> <laughs> then you'll know you're doing well. This will be very interesting. What? <laughs> you got a light up here? Okay. <laughs> you can want to fill a kitchen. <laughs> okay, so we'll move on to what we watched this week. And I wanted to go first and say I watched Jaws this week. As did I. Oh, As so did I. We all did. I watched Jaws. <laughs> oh, I watched Jaws. I was going to say Jaws. You know the best thing is, as we went on about it for weeks, it's the first time that we've ever all watched a film each other together. Yes. <laughs> right, no, yes. <laughs> Damn, that scru- scruff wasn't there. He lo- um, he we had a jolly good time. <laughs> we thought it was a nice and wee time. Why did we all watch Jaws together, Michael? Because uh, we kicked off uh, our Bennigan's Film Club, which is in Bennigan's Bar in Derry. And we're going to be doing that every week and putting on a screen of a film, What We Choose. Bam. And Provided yeah. the law lets us. Yeah. Yeah. But there's, it's, that's getting... Yeah, that, that, it's, it's, that, that's be, it's getting worked out. That's getting aired out. The, yep. the license is, is nearly procured from what I've heard. Yep. <laughs> They're very vague there. A very vague oh, it is, it is, it is. I'm taking the piss. Yeah. But uh, I, I thought it went well because because of, like uh, the legalities and all that shit surrounding it, and I mean it, we have to give the hand because Heron done most of the donkey work. They they kind of kick it off. You donkey! You donkey! You donkey can't! <laughs> <laughs> but I mean the poster didn't go up until like what five or six o'clock the night before, and then we still sold out. I mean it was a packed sort of house, and it was yeah, it was good atmosphere. No, but did we have two days? No, just the day before. No, no, I think it was on the Monday. It was on the Monday evening, and then we had it all a Tuesday. And then we had it Wednesday. Day and a half. I didn't see the Tuesday. Day and a half. I just kind of realised that Sydney McGear on. It was just a combination of all my favourite things because obviously it's a live screening out the backyard, the smoking garden of this bar. So I love watching films. I love sitting in bars. I love smoking fags. Not all getting blocked so I mean, <laughs> it was just everything it was a perfect marriage it was amazing it was class. because I mean the crack was great I mean like for late October it was, it was actually like, a really nice night to be sitting outside and obviously you had the coverage and you had the, you know, like, the kind of outdoor heating aye. but then just being able to there's a freedom to being able to smoke fags and watch because I can't aye. do it in the house I don't smoke in the house aye. I can't like so it was fucking sweet I know I'm, hopefully we'll, we'll kick on and do better and 
usually it's annoying when people talk through films, but because everybody I kind of seen it, that was really funny when you heard Sam coming up, like you know, here's gun 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 gun, and it's come uh, to Wayne's leg, and here from the front, eyes oh, fucked, <laughs> <laughs> kind of stuff. and everybody was laughing and stuff. You know what's strange is that the biggest laugh of the night, you know, from the dialogue in the film, was when Quant was all, "Oh, they'll eat anything. See, one eat a rocking chair once." <laughs> <laughs> everybody fucking erupted at that. I, I completely forgot about that line. I. And what he called there was a fucking it was a random because there's so much of this in that film of starting a master take with like an incidental actor and then moving into yeah. a lead. Yeah. Stacks it. And then there's one where, where this fucking old fisherman comes out of a door uh, comes out of just a fucking door <laughs> and this white house and he just got like a yellow fucking anorak or something, he starts smoking a pipe. Just looking around and it was obviously a real fishman. Don't know what the fuck he was doing because it just it just looked dead random. No, then the camera started moving, or he he turned around and the camera started moving away from him. But everybody the, was hanging themselves laughing at this boy. But he had the biggest smile on his face. It was brilliant. I mean, did, did he even he looked at the camera at one point? I, he probably did. I yeah. Actually, even just talking about Jaws, not the event itself. I think obviously Jaws is Jaws one of the most popular films ever and for a reason but then when, when I actually sat down to watch it the other night was the first time I watched it in about five years Christ knows how many times I've seen it but it's just everything you watch it you just remember how good it was and it's, uh, it's, it's yeah. not one of those films that, and what a way to watch it and what a way to watch it too it was a great setting but it's not one of those films that is just remembered as being good because it is popular or you know does certain things right just everything in that film is so well done even just a thing that I've forgotten about how they blend the humour and the tension it's just seamless and yeah. that's such a hard thing they do especially mm. for because at the time Spielberg had only done one hour film and it was a bomb duel it was a fucking complete flop so you know he d- done Sugarland Express as well did he? Uh, I thought I actually thought that uh, Joe was the second film but anyway either way he was a very rookie director uh, and, he, and obviously then he turned out to be Spielberg one of the greatest directors ever probably the most famous uh, but Jesus everything's so good and Considering when you look back now, and it's you know almost as famous as the film itself, the, the trouble production that they went through. We, mm. you know, Bruce the mechanical shirt constantly breaking down, and you know, bad weather and fucking rewrites and all this shit. It's just uh, the finished product is phenomenal. Like, and I remember that Quant has to be, I'd say, my top five favorite characters of all time. <laughs> it's amazing. How Robert Shaw didn't get an Oscar for that performance, I don't know. It's uh, it's that fucking scene, Indianapolis. And he wrote that scene. himself. No, I as didn't. as legend goes, he wrote that himself. No, no John Mellis wrote it. Yeah, you brought that up. No, John, John, John Mullius wrote it. There was the bit though between Mullius and Shaw because Shaw was a writer in his own. He was a writer of some. No, I, I know he was. John Mullius wrote eight pages, and Spielberg went to John Mullius. It's on. It's on the Jaws documentary. Did he went you to. Have, did you just have a wee panel after the film where this conversation took place? No, no, no. that no. definitely no. should have happened. Yeah. Well, that's where we're. Yeah, we're building left. towards that. Yeah, it's on the board. I think it's on on the chart. Yeah, it's it's on that we're planning. But I mean, I think for the first week, this week was just and because the reason we chose Jaws because it was about an icebreaker just to mm. kind of put the idea out there and see how right. it goes and it's it's sort of like kind of almost a horror kind of it is uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I mean, like perfect, it's, it's yeah. that's why that's why we kind of suspense and thriller I think actually Pete? the last time that I watched it was with you as well and my granny's house uh, and your granny's house <laughs> and, and the, the funniest thing that I always remember from it is just the mayor's shirts Oh, the mayor's jackets. Hey, could someone dress up as him for Halloween? So good. He's got he's got the blazer with all the wee anchors on. Even I, just even just a, a wee thing that the I noticed uh, the other night. Son never called on there before, and it's just again just this wee small thing that they put on that film, and it's just a nice wee thing that you don't realize that just adds depth to it. Is that the mayor 
every single scene you see him, he's got a fag in his hand, but it's not lit. And the only time he lights the fag when he's super stressed out is when the Aye. actual proper attack happens on the beach and he realises that he's completely fucked up. Uh, and even that yeah. is just a nice wee small thing they put on there that you wouldn't uh, even pick up on. It's, is it just around the hospital It's around scene? the hospital scene. I only says I was up. acting in the best interests and all and, and he's, he's fucked and up. I, I think it's a line there and he's all, my kids were on that beach. And he, uh, he realises that you know his wings were in danger too. There's one thing I noticed as well where they were based you don't get great whites that far north up on the american coastline yeah. mm. which is adds to the american horror of it's it because they're, they're up in new england you yeah, don't new get england, great they shot up in martha's vineyard, martha's vineyard yeah. but it's is it's it's not set, it's set there. in new england set in new england yeah, it's set in new england it's set just past yeah. like the palisades and stuff like that you know like the kind of suburban beach resorts of like you know mm. wealthy new yorkers and shit like that just a wee kick in the up a street from that like an thing as well i've seen that it did have impact, but it had a far more of an impact uh, with me is when the mother and father of the dead boy came, Dee Brody, yeah. and slapped him in the face. Mm. I always sort of had that, but I mean, I always had it in my head. It's just this divisive thing. I just when, it, when you see it in the big screen, the sound, you hear that slap, you're like, fuck. And but it really it. has an effect. And you, I think this is why you know, listening to things proper on two big speakers you, you hear all the layers of it yeah. as opposed to TV it, it's fine but it is compressed down mm-hmm. hearing yeah, it like that you definitely hear you hear the proper ambience of why there's so much fucking effort and they fully like you I know think that's just an R master stroke of Jaws too because if you think about Jaws you would usually think right big fucking huge shark Terry's and three boys out in the middle of the water but then you forget just how many well executed quiet drama scenes it's like there the are. last third of the film is yeah, that but like you know exactly mm-hmm. I'm like the well executed drama scenes like one of the most lovely scenes one of my favourite scenes I think near enough ever and it's such a simple wee scene but it's so well done is when Brody is stressed out and I think he's just been smacked by you know the mother of the kid who got it and he's sitting at the dinner table and his child is mimicking everything he does and then he's all give yeah. me a kiss and the kid's all whining he's all because I need it and it's just really lovely and mm. you wouldn't you would not see that like, I mean considering that Jaws essentially created the blockbuster you would not see a scene a quiet drama scene never mind one as well executed in any blockbuster anymore because blockbusters now are all just about action and squeezing in as many car crashes and explosions as possible and that sort of you know character building sort of stuff usually goes out the window I'm not saying that across the board uh-huh. for all blockbusters but it usually does and it's crazy that Jaws was the template for blockbusters because it does not resemble a modern blockbuster whatsoever anymore. It's actually just a good drama film with sort of action elements. I feel maybe because Jaws really kicks into some sort of primal fear that every parent, because we're all kind of scared of the sea or whatever, and that. I'm horrified of the ocean. Mm. Like my, I mean, like actually, no, not the ocean. But Mickey has slagged me about this before. Uh, He he is. I heard heard Jaws after you. (laughs) Oh Jesus! And he the. Uh, Brody, he's actually terrified yeah. of the sea for drowning as yeah. well. I really like that that part of his character. I a thing uh, thing I noticed when uh, the the next attack happens after he lets everybody on the beach that he's screaming, everybody get out, and everybody's running in to get the kids out, but he's standing on the edge of the beach. Like. I, no, there's a cracker shot where he runs, r- and it, I never noticed it until the other night when we watched it. He runs right down to the edge of the water and he stops yeah. dead where the water meets his feet. He won't even dip his toe in, like. You and again, that's just wee tiny wee things in there you just don't notice. Just shows for, you know, it just rewards repeat viewing. Because even his, give... his wife runs in and gets his, his kids. Yeah. <laughs> it must give people, like, the absolute creeps actually filming that. 
Like, yeah. you know, if you're thinking about getting eaten by a shark almost all day, all the time, and you're, most of your scenes are then in a boat or in the water or something, the actors must have had, like, even though they weren't in shark-infested waters, they must have just had that wee bit in the back. Definitely. Uh, Which would have added a wee bit to the performance. I, I, well, I, I was one time ordering a Jaws DVD while I was on the toilet. I was terrified. <laughs> 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 it, does, it does give you a weird, like, the, apparently people sort of, uh, I don't know, favorability of sharks went down what's, the minute what's jaws a, what's a went strange up thing about there's there's two huge things about jaws is that when it was released in 1975 it's now that iconic like you look back and you think this is crazy but beach attendances in america plummeted yes after jaws really? was released plummeted and it is like one of the best most attractive but also shark attacks are really really rare really rare well. yeah exactly but apart from australia like kind of, oh, i was in our day books yeah, i was in our day books years ago um, <laughs> you're more likely to get killed by falling coconuts than in a shark attack <laughs> do you know quite so right as well six men who've been killed by falling coconuts like <laughs> do, you, do you know what also uh those boys are swinging them at had, a, had a similar reaction uh sales of merlot in california fucking plummeted after sideways, sideways <laughs> which is <laughs> fucking <laughs> mental and it's one line in the fall like it's, it's just oh, we're going in there no going to the dark side it's all get your medication and if they want to drink Berlo we're drinking fuck we're, no 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 I'm not fucking drinking Berlo is that good because I put that on my phone to watch on the way up in the bus today but it's I amazing as it's a wine drinker you would love it I, I'm like you're under wine I, stuff too and cynical if you like cynical comedies but cynical comedy but it's really prettily shot and it's just I watch it. And Alexander Payne, I think, in, in the same sort of ilk as other independent American directors like Wes Anderson, he's got a very distinctive style and he just does it really, really well. Uh, about like sort of middle-aged dramas, which uh, have a bit of quirkiness to them too. Just the roundup on Jaws as well. Uh, everybody forgets that Jaws, obviously, it was originally a novel. I'm not going to lie, I've never read it. But uh, because the film... Ball bag! Because uh, <laughs> you've read like... But, uh, oh, we've all read it. Have you? Uh, it's a masterpiece. Oh, man. Better than, better than the phone. But <laughs> Peter, I think that the, the author was Peter Bleachley or something. Peter, like that. Peter, actually, Peter Benchley. Peter Benchley. He makes a cameo in the film as the news reporter when That's he goes right. up the beach. Aye, aye, aye. But uh, the mad thing about Jaws is because obviously it created this huge popular fear of sharks, even though sharks, like Dom was saying, the attacks on humans aren't that <clears> common <throat> because sharks actually don't target humans. Uh, there was this then sort of widespread acceptance that you know uh, we should call sharks and sharks are evil beings and stuff like that and then when science kind of marched on and they realised you know what this isn't the case Peter Benchley was disgusted that he had kind of been the main catalyst of this idea so he spent like you know near enough the rest of his life or career as like a, a shark con- conservationist this is true I swear to you, I read this yesterday Mental. he like the author of the book because he was that ashamed because he admitted that when he wrote the book Jaws he knew nothing about sharks the least he, he could do yeah he was just afraid of them and he thought that they would you know basically act as a good villain for his book that he was struggling there with okay Scarf have you watched this week I watched a load of shite this week and there's it one good film uh do you, not, do you not check after you? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody wipes on locally. Yeah. Yeah, right, I watched uh, Escape from LA. Which oh, was, uh, no. Which was a mistake. Actually, no, it was grand. But I watched the most bizarre thing this week just to see if it was real because I read about it and it like terrified me to think that this could actually have been made. So the cast of it is Matthew McConaughey, 2003, Matthew McConaughey, uh, Kate Beckinsale, Patricia Arquette, Peter Dinklage, and Gary Oldman, right? Has anybody any idea what I'm talking about? Is this about? the one on the railway? No. no, no it's no, not no. Sahara, is it? No, no, no. It's called, right, it's called Tiptoes, oh, right? 
This is, I, I think this is being buried to protect all their careers. <laughs> like, no, I'm being serious. I'm going to describe this. This now, is right? mental. And I'm afraid that it will encourage other people to watch it just because they think I'm lying. Because when I cast, I, I would die with that film. Like, right? This now, is pre yeah. reconnaissance, right? Of course. Most of his career is unfairness. This is going to crash. This is about, this is about to get really fucking bizarre, right? Matthew McConaughey and Kate Beckinsale are going out, right? Match. And then McConaughey uh, introduced McConaughey's a dickhead, by the way, the whole way through the film. And he introduced her to his, bro- to his brother, uh, Gary Oldman. All right, all right, all right. Who's a dwarf. He plays the entire film on his knees. Not Peter Dinklage. <laughs> hey, no, no. But you have the dink in there. Yeah, <laughs> too, right? This is, a pre- this is a synopsis of the film. Everybody in McConaughey's family, apart from him, are dwarfs, right? And Kate Beckinsale gets pregnant. And he, he then tells her, and then all this happens, and they're really worried about the kid, and going to be a little person and all that. And it just gets more and more fucking weird as it goes on, right? But it's not, it's like, and the trailer pro- like portrays it as a romantic comedy, but it's not. <laughs> it's a fucking drama, and it's so weird. And Peter Dinklage is a Marxist, like, anarchist. It's fucking the most bizarre thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And it's shite. <laughs> it's so terrible. Apart from Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman's amazing. Gary Oldman. But he plays the entire fucking movie on his knees. Is it, is it because it's... there's so many strands and they can't tie them together into no, a solid story? Even even that basic storyline sounds bad. Like it sounds like it's the but, bad script. But if, Has, if no it, one knows heard of this, no. there, there could yeah, there could be watch. some comedy of that. Yeah, like that's the what I'm only saying, like, these are all film people. I really really think that this film was deeply deeply buried to protect every single person <laughs> in his career. Well, we said last week after the podcast we're going to watch a page master, which doesn't happen. We'll grab a bag of cans and watch Top Two shirts here here battles. No, we'll get we'll give her a review next week. But if if. If all of McConaughey's family is supposed to be like little people, not and real they, life, and they have and they have Peter Dinklage in there, why do they have Gary Oldman in there as well? Why not just get another dwarf actor? Because his part is so demanding that they couldn't. I don't know. It's it's shocking. Maybe it's there's maybe there's shocking. maybe there's a bike. by the way. I thought this. Oh, this will be funny enough. And in the trailer, they say midget like three times, and then the corrector like, oh no, they prefer yes. dwarf. I went right. I'm gonna make a drinking game out of this. I'm gonna drink every time they say midget. Three times in the trailer. <laughs> you, you, you were stoned sober. <laughs> it was awful. It was truly awful. I couldn't. There's nothing redeeming about it. It's, it's no less talk more movies, Bangola. Nah, it's, it's <laughs> which I'm still very intrigued. I that that film sounds like a bit of a mind blower to be quite honest with I also watched uh, Valhalla Rising. Can oh, that's any, so good. Can that's anybody explain what's going on? It was that's amazing. Great, so that's good. a great film. Yeah. Not not the not the kind of Gandhi one, but the uh, no. Is that with Mads Mikkelsen? Yeah, yeah Mads yes. Mikkelsen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's so good. What I love, and there's very little these sorts of films made nowadays, but the way Nicholas Vinden Refn described what that film was, because people were baffled at what that film was supposed to be, he described it as like a mood piece, like an atmosphere film that doesn't really have to have a plot, but it's how you feel. I love films like that. Yeah, they're a bit avant-garde, a wee bit challenging, but I really, really like them. And then I was telling you recently, we're trying to, well... I've talked to you about trying to do a wee script that is sort of similar. You know, Valhalla Raisin was a big influence on that. But I love it. It's just this this feeling you get off it. And you can see elements of that in, in Drive and definitely Only God Forgives why, as well. Why, like, how do you train your dragons on this as well? Why are Vikings always speak... Why do they always speak with Scottish accents? I know. And oh, no, Miles no, no. Miles Wiggles is actually no, Danish. He doesn't even speak the whole way through the film. Hold, like. hold, hold, <laughs> hold on, hold on. Like, I, I kind of related the historical context to it. 
he's he's the, he's Norwegian. He's not Danish, and this is temp. This is tenth century. So this is like oh, a, thousand, a thousand, a thousand years ago. This is this this is what I've this is what I've pieced together from watching that film. I really like that film. He's he's either he's either British or Scandinavian slave, and he's enslaved somewhere up in northern Scotland, up in the Hebrides. So they maybe they're Norse Gaels, mm-hmm. and that he's passed around like from clan to clan to clan and then he gets into some of a hebridean group and then they go west because obviously as the end of the film is oh, where, where, that's where, what I was thinking <laughs> where did the end up no would w- they vinland newfoundland they're, so they're, they're, they're in, getting they're killed okay, yeah they're yeah, getting yeah, killed by okay, stone tip yeah. arrows but so it's basically he's a mood piece of yeah. that whole sailing across the ocean they're 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 thinking what are you doing? You don't even know where you're going. And then they're actually surging forward. Wow. And that's where they... I really like the film. Yeah, I think really we, great. we most uh, Nicholas Vindham reference films too. I, I mean, fair enough, it might be a bit of a basic thing to sort of explore, but it definitely is mostly like a, a sort of explanation or analysis of uh, violence just. Dominic, what have you watched this okay, week? To bring it back from a poor film that uh, Scruff watched, I watched two Oscar winners. Or Valhalla, Valhalla Rises. Not no, Valhalla. not Valhalla. <laughs> well, what was the other one called? Don't, uh, no, no, I, I, I want people to forget about it. Okay. That's not... Valhalla Raisin just uh, had a really poor popular reception because I think on IMDb, which we don't want really to fucking obviously use as a measuring stick, but it's like but a 5.2. No, it's Definitely great. not. Like, That's because they're looking for... They're yeah, looking for I, think a, the, I think a lot of people were sold and they were assuming that it could be like something different, but anyway, go ahead. I watched Boyhood and Whiplash. Love Boyhood, haven't seen Whiplash. I, I love them both, and the, there's a, a weak comparison you can put between them. Boyhood is spread over 12 years, as you know. One of the reasons that I... The only thing that I didn't... Probably what I heard. All by heard. Sorry, sorry. One of the reasons I didn't like Boyhood was the you couldn't ever get into a juicy story because it was extended over 12 years. And I know that the director is... He, I don't know. He went out on a limb, and he he really goes for these mood pieces. And it, it wasn't really a beginning, middle, end kind mm-hmm. of story. You were you were picking up at something that's already begun, yeah. And you were ending it just as his adult adulthood was really about like to. But, but yeah. You, but you like that, Heron? Do you like yeah. when there's no sort of origin? No, I did. I, I, I did sorry, like it. Richard, like, I, I, I used to hate it, but I mean. To be honest, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised in a few years there's going to be a film called Manhood and it's going to be another 12 years of his life. Like, cause I, he, I think, he, he I think he's actually said... Yeah, or something like that. No, I think he's actually said that there's the possibility he might go back and do Manhood uh, or... See, because he, like it, it sounded... I think it was a, a girl's story instead of a boy's story. I think that's what he's... No, there's already a film that came out called Girlhood that's a completely mm. different thing. Uh, with, with, with Boyhood, I mean, like... A, I thought it was like it was a really beautiful film to it see was, like this this kind of kid grow up and stuff like that. But then I just couldn't escape that outside of the fact that you were always aware that the whole selling point of this film was that it was this kid growing up and stuff like that. I couldn't get past the niche. You know what I mean? I've just. It, it, I think because I think it's, it's not even really maybe, a niche. Maybe it's I think, just I think a, the device. You mean? If that was a straight drama film with just a different actor for each time period, I do not think it would have been as effective. I think that the reason that yeah. why a lot of people love it is because they know it's the same kid, and it adds a sort of extra wit to it, which is 
it's fair enough and I got that myself because you can't help but get away from that uh, I, I think it's because the storyline maybe because we're used so used to seeing a formulaic storyline you sort of pick up where he's about to move from down to Texas from where he is and Ethan Hawke's character the father's character comes in and out and it you you think that like there's going to be an over overarching overarching storyline but it, there's like little snippets of storyline and then it changes and sometimes the years jump quite quickly I, 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 don't mind I, I can understand why Patricia Arquette won her award but I never warmed to the the boy's character the, the boy's character himself I, I but maybe it's because actually you're looking at Patricia Arquette as like the struggle of a, yeah. a mother trying to raise a son because there's there's a there's periods where Ethan like the father disappears and you don't see him for ages and then he comes back with a girlfriend then he comes back with a new wife and I think that's sweet though because that, that, that is the case for a lot of kids you know what I mean that sometimes your dad might you know, especially divorced couples your dad might disappear for a while not disappear but, but, <laughs> but you might not see him for a while and then he Chan, comes back but Chan do you have a personal story you'd like to share the only sort of, sort of crisis point in the any storyline was the I don't know the stepfather who become a, who become a drunk and it was so obvious that he was going to become a drunk as well you could see it coming but then it, it it well he, he the first time it shows you he goes oh I'm just going to buy this in case somebody yeah. comes over when you're stashing fuck in the dishwasher like you know where it's going and then you, you, you knew you're stashing something in your press what's it your bottle of cooler oh that's just my drunk press like. <laughs> but I think that's I my mean, drink press on work Shan do you have something to share <laughs> <laughs> I'm an alcoholic who has abandoned farming issues <laughs> I watched yes <laughs> I watched uh, the kids are alright back to back with boyhood yeah, and the whole way through boyhood, I was just thinking, "Oh, I wonder when Ethan Hawke's gonna fuck up like Mark Ruffalo, sort of." Yeah, kids are into yeah. it. We, we discussed that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Uh, I suppose if you're gonna have to jump over twelve years, you're gonna have to make it vague. See, I think as well, because he he's the he's the well, you are gonna have to make it kind of vague. But I mean, it's it's that kind of age where the characters taking things in rather than putting things out in the yeah. world if you know what I mean and so that's why he's got you know he's got three father characters or three you know examples of father characters the first one was his own father who wasn't around for quite a lot of his life the other one is around but he's a fucking a drunken wife, wife beater and the third one is ex-military in the ex, ex-military and his idea of a man is completely different the, yeah. the main character's idea of a man so you could you could three very different versions because Ethan Hawke's a musician isn't he yeah, yeah. and I think as I said though that, that's sort of the point though. people always say oh, he didn't have much to do and all but I mean I think for him they just exist in that sort of canvas of a film like that and, and you, you go with him on it I, th- I think that's that's good enough like I, do, no. I did like Ethan Hawke's character I did like Patricia Arquette's character obviously obviously if something happened to any of those people in real life they would have wrote that into the film but I always in my mind have an idea that Richard Linklater had like three parallel stories going on at the same time yes. yeah. just That's in case so obviously that didn't on. happen like See, I, I've never minded the non-linear. No, no, I mean like no. literally the exact same story. Yeah, eighteen years. I, I, I don't mind the non-linear aspect. <laughs> I, I think that's the real beauty of the film because instead of actually, in, instead of running like a film does, it actually runs like real life, and I think mm. that is the main part of that film that it actually flows along like an actual child's life would during boyhood, which is the main 
focus and the main aim of the film. The only thing that I don't like is that it's far too long. Not even though I I like the fact that because so, it's going to have to be like it is it is it is very long. Yeah. How, how long is it? It's three hours. It's, like, it's, I watched it. It's, it's, it's about two two hours or something. Like that. Yeah, but I mean, if you're trying to you, challenge life, it's going to be. About three I felt hours. I felt while I was watching that I was kind of distracted, key jangling, doing stuff on the internet, <laughs> and not actually losing sight of the story. Well, the, the, there's a line, um, because have you seen Before Sunrise, Before Sunset? Yeah. No, yeah. and the, that's the director's other film. It's the same director, know. but I mean, he, the, if anybody doesn't know it, like, they, they made a, f- a first film back in 93, maybe was it? Mm-hmm. Or something like that. Oh, 94. 94, and then, and then they made the sequel. Uh, then it was nine years after that, Before Sunset. Yeah. And then the third one was Before Midnight. It was nine years after that. And it was... Uh, coming back to the same characters after nine year gaps <clears throat> and it, it, I don't know I, I just have always found that really interesting I know you're uh, a big fan of the before series I think they're fucking great I think, uh, I think they are masterpieces like in my opinion like, but I mean there, there's there's a line in it I mean it's just because it's a similar time jump and sort of story and it's like you catch up with people and they might have the same opinion or maybe a slightly augmented opinion of a few years later and stuff but there's a line in it where um in the second one where Ethan Hawke says uh, I remember that night more, more than I remember entire years and just even thinking about that and on that sort of ethic I mean that's that's why he picks out that's why he picks out those moments in boyhood you know because it's that kind of attitude of you remember that two weeks or you remember this moment or you remember that more than you remember the whole year yeah. that defined your fucking year because it was either amazing or it was shite or it was fucking terrifying or whatever and I think that's I kind of think without boyhood going too specific on it there's enough in there where you could attach your own life to it without it being too personal with you like, do you know what I mean you're exactly right. I think it's a beautiful but really true line that you'll remember certain nights out of certain years but then the sorry, rest of the years sorry, you're just, just you break that absolute sublime uh, speech there up just can you describe what just happened there now did you see it what when I went to point for the only thing that I could be possibly <laughs> pointing at and Shan I was pointing at the danger bottle and Shan literally pointed at every single every empty this one there's, no, 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 no. there's three <laughs> there's three empty bottles next to Shan <laughs> and then his own bottle of vodka and then the danger bottle <laughs> like, I even pointed at an empty bottle of fat frog yeah. like why would he want that <laughs> but you, you brought up a great point there now Heron. it's like you remember certain great nights of the year and then the rest of the year could be a blur but those are nights that always stick with you and like that's that's how especially boyhood works especially in childhood yeah, yeah especially in childhood which is where you kind of form a, a, a huge like a, a massive abundance of your memories but I think boyhood does that very well as well then he picks out obviously the things that he remembers and the things that were huge to his life especially like the abusive stepfather that shit's this, always going to stay in your head this was my only criticism criticism was because maybe we, I was so used to just saying oh beginning middle end yeah. type story but then looking back back on it, if I was ten years younger, I would have I would fucking love that film yeah. honestly because I think it would really be powerful for me as a, a, a somebody in my late teens. Okay, and we'll move on to news. All right, I prefer spooky news. Not spooky anymore. I'll fucking woof over here just now. <laughs> 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 okay, and our first news this week is that 
There's been an image released of Jared Leto as the Joker on Empire Magazine. Yes. I Have seen we him. all I seen it? What is his dinner yes. table? Yes. Have we all seen it? Have we oh, all no, I haven't seen this one. No, Jesus. Jesus Joker. I've seen the joke on the Did you there, Did you please. think I meant the one from fucking months ago? Yeah, more lately. Oh, yeah, he's good. he's the Joker on Crystal Meth. Have you seen that equivalent of all the different jokes? I don't like it, really. I don't like how purple his coat is. It's too purple. It's too knownly purple. Is this this big Not fucking shiny bastard of a coat? Yeah. What's, what's it saying? Why is he wearing trackies? Has he just been at the gym? He's wearing... What Joker incarnation wears trackie bottoms? He, he looks like a Joker from... That street, I, street gang and Batman side. Forever. Ah, uh, exactly. It looks you know, you know the one where, where fucking Chris O'Donnell pretends he's Batman and he has a Batman movie? He's a first spun the Batman movie. <laughs> <laughs> he's all, that's I the Batman, that's Batboy. <laughs> oh, dear, no, no, he's, all these neon cunts come by. That's when the Joker shows up dressed as fucking Jared Leto, wearing Jared Leto's face. I thought you I thought you were just going for like a real Darius out there. He looks like a fucking... Joker, <laughs> fucking, he's a fucking candy man. No, I see what what Joker wears tracks about was Michael answering this question. Jared Leto's one. Yeah, yeah apparently. I, so. No, but I I actually have this kind of weird theory now about Jared Leto's Joker that he's not actually the proper Joker. I mean, I, I know I know there's been theories floating about the internet that it's it's actually like Jason Todd, like the Michael. former Robin and stuff like that. I think you might be wrong. <laughs> I've heard that too. No, no, yeah. There's, okay. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying that theory is right. I don't think it's Jason Todd or anything. But it's just I this. I believe that theory. The yeah, okay, but <laughs> no, but I. I so just, this is so <laughs> sarcastic. He's trying to help you. You said like no. such a thing. That yeah. <laughs> I'm so, no, I'm sorry. No, yeah. The, like when you, when you kind of analyze what people are saying about the whole Jason Todd thing, like it would be an interesting way to go with. Yeah. But what I'm just saying is that. The way they're going with this Joker and the fact that they they've brought it about so quickly, and also the fact that Jared Leto's playing him, and I just don't see him as the kind of actor that would want to be locked down for like like if like if you sign a contract on these kind of films, you're at least doing three films. Maybe you're signing on for six films or whatever. Surely he knows that the fact that he's sunk his teeth on this already. Like I'm, I'm I know, sure but the, no, knows. but this this is what I'm saying. The the fact that he's playing him, I don't think he would do that because. Like he's he... done many like uh, franchises. Well, he won't ask her. No, he's never asked. No, no, he's he... what? Like Jared Leto, has he done like many franchises? Well, he's in a band. No, he's done no franchises. No, no, no you see, this is what I'm saying. Like he basically kind of came out of retirement of acting. Won an Oscar. <laughs> and, and won an Oscar, and yeah. I just think like he's he's still doing 30, 30 seconds to Mars and stuff. And does he really want to be locked down for like the next ten years playing the Joker? I think though, and I, I just have a, an opinion that maybe that? It's only maybe seven months out of his I, I, year, like it's not. I mean, he could probably still tour in between. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Yeah. But I, I know. I just have this kind of background thought that maybe this this he has is three ex wives. They pay for. No, I'm not But I I I just have this theory and like this thing in the back of my head that maybe maybe because they're going so out there with with this Joker that he's actually a Joker Joker and he's yeah. he's just like. A kind of mad fan because even like that would explain like why he has all the stupid haha tattoos and all air and fucking what does it say on his forehead like fucking damage or whatever. Star Wars. I know. <laughs> I sort of. I, like I, I do like that. I do like that. They will have to say he's like a, a copycat Joker. Aye, I? I mean, I'm like, like I mean, like in the Batman films, we had copycat Batman. Stuff. I do. I do like the theory, but I just think that because you know yourself, it's the machine and it's this money making animal that they presented him as a Joker in every sort of promotional material. They're not going to release the fall of man, and you find out that he's a fake Joker. That just I know. Seems and like the, he seems and, like the kind of person that would have it in his contract, though, that he would go look. I 
like don't want to do this. I like yeah, if 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 it's just one and done kind yeah. of thing. But I, but I doubt. But again, I doubt that very much. No, no. You they're see, trying to build it. I know. I, I know that as well. So not going to the Joker again. But you see, I I I I know that. And if he's if he if he's the proper Joker, he's signed up for the next ten years or whatever. That's just I have this kind of lingering thought back ahead. Maybe it isn't, but it, like everything we've kind of seen does go against that because you've seen him in the trailer. Like he become he makes like Doctor Quinzel become Harley Quinn. Yeah. Like he's the one that fucking tortures her and makes her go mental. Like so he probably is the proper Joker. But I just have this weird lingering thought that maybe it isn't. Okay, actor musician Common has been announced to be playing the villain in John Wick Two. I can't foresee. Common being that threatening of a villain, he's a big man. Well, if you, if he you is look, a big man, if you look at him, but when, if you look at when him I in... see him through his music and what he does, uh, uh, he's never been a threatening man to me. But if he's, he's, there's, he's no, very, there's no menace, he's a very pretty him. man, though, isn't he? There is <laughs> but I think that's menace. why he may not be as, as threatening as the others. No, but if you look at him when he's he was very a pretty a large man, <clears> he's, like he's not. He's not one. He's not one of those men where you you, you want to be his friend, but you're scared if you're not his friend. Yeah. <laughs> you just think <laughs> Hammond Keane in a room and just bit the fucking line at each other. We'll I see what happens. Like Keanu, right side, common left side, lock a door, let them have out. Did you say Keanu? Keanu. 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 He's been, saying can, he's been saying can too much recently. He's <laughs> <laughs> so just ble- ble- bleeding it on just <laughs> Kenny. <laughs> when he say he's been saying can too much recently, when he says recently, it means the past 10 years. <laughs> no, but Kenny. what I was trying to say was yeah. if you look at Common in Wanted, he was playing an assassin in that, and he seemed pretty, you know. What's the word? Menacing. Yeah, let's Dangerous. go with that. <laughs> he always Notorious. seems more like an intelligent hard man as opposed to a hard man hard man. Yeah, you know like I mean? you, you, you believe there's something behind the yeah, eyes. Like he can beat you with his thoughts. Fuck it, he with his thoughts. Scruff, did you have something you wanted to say? No, I, I haven't seen John Wick, but the only thing about it that I know is that he goes on the rampage because uh, he kills his dog. Aye. Yeah. I just want to say, like, uh, would you do it? Yes. <laughs> I said you said this before. Well, if, if someone killed GD for you, would you thank them? Or I would, would you go to rap? I probably would have paid them already. You know what I mean? Are you anointing a hit on your dog? <laughs> <laughs> like he's a raid fighting on the kill litter. <laughs> <laughs> he's already passing on the next week. Just <laughs> uh, no, as much as I love my dogs, if someone was to kill my dog, I don't think that I would go on a rampage and murder about 15,000 men, which is. It seems like how many people John Wick murders during a course of film. All headshots as well. All headshots. <laughs> hey, he's really official. He, like. he, he makes sure they're dead. Like. I mean, like, if he was in a zombie apocalypse, he'd be, it'd be a, sweet. He'd be that boy, like. <laughs> they would call him and just they wipe it out. Like. For the sequel, are they going to kill another dog? Or <laughs> what's going to happen? Like, what's going to say? Why, why is he going to be back that, this time? That's my question. That's what I was thinking about this. Like, Surely he isn't all enough to be pissed off about like. <laughs> no, The dog's been avenged. Like. I, I, well, no, I think John, John Wick's back in it now. Who here's killed the dog? You killed the dog once, didn't you? It never happened. Okay. But I've... I have seen two friends kick the shit out of a hedgehog, which I wasn't happy with. <laughs> 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 Is that your fucking bango scruff? <laughs> I've been doing a wee tally. I've been doing a wee tally as I've been going along on this like 
Let's talk more movies, Bingo. And Tom, you're like one away from having like a full thing. You know, oh, strikes. Thank you, thank you. What if does he Anything there about Animobius needs somebody to take that box. No, no, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you at the end because okay. let's just keep oh, going. Let's, let's see what we can rack up in this. <laughs> oh. as, as long as there's a cash prize, please. <laughs> there's no cash prize. Oh, okay, we'll move on to our next news. Right, months ago, Hasbro announced a Monopoly movie based on the popular board game. Bam. But now there's been really? a... Really? Yes. <laughs> That's not the news. That was ages ago. Get over it, Scrum. Um, but no, there's been a Monopoly origin story. <laughs> and the... No, but... <laughs> That There's been a Monopoly origin story Monopoly in origins. development. Is this source material? Is that yeah. rich? Like, like, no, yeah. but this this is the actual story of how the board game was made. Oh, and what, ah. The drama behind. Yeah, there's there's been a couple of books. Well, you, you know why Monopoly was created, doesn't it? Well, well no. Th- just, just to teach children the perils of capitalism. Yeah, well, it's... It's it's based on these two books <laughs> that were. That's that's what Monopoly is about. I know, but like, I mean, I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying that's not right. I'm I'm just stumped. I always just assume that Monopoly was made to kind of teach kids how to use money. What you know be what I mean? no be greedy fucking cunts and just crush everybody in your path. That's yes. the whole point of. <laughs> To teach children about, that but, 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 seriously, that, but seriously, that's, that's got an indirect effect because that's how people play Monopoly. I don't, I really don't think that kids get. Oh, this is about the perils well, of capitalism. Well, well no, that, that's oh, the whole reason. Play Monopoly in our house, then, because uh, that's that's yeah. Quickly. In the end, the whole point, you you get a Monopoly, you get control of everything. That's the meaning of Monopoly. But that, yeah, but that, no, hang, on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Just, just that, let let me say this. Your lesson: If you lose Monopoly, oh yeah, capitalism's bad. If you're the kid that's winning all the time, you're going to be. You're going to go for. That in life, must keep winning. You must keep winning. But the the premise of this of this Monopoly film that they're on about is that the person who created Monopoly actually stole it from a woman that made yes. a board game yeah. thirty years before, and it was about landlords. And it was at, it was actually made to show off like the greed of capitalism and to kind of show how bad it is. And then it was kind of made into this Monopoly. A board game that is actually just rewarding capitalism, essentially. So that's that's the premise. What this film would be? There's it's based on two books that kind of tell the backstory of this. It has not been officially announced through Hasbro. They want nothing to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But After the rage and success that Battleship was. <laughs> it's, it's Ben Kingsley, the boy with the manacle. <laughs> it's Liam Neeson playing the girl who created it, no? Here, Vin Diesel's gone. Vin Diesel's gone for the manacle boy. Like. Vin Diesel's the wee dog. <laughs> but but what what do you think of this actual kind of origin story of Monopoly that and going into the backstory of that it was stolen and is corrupted. it is it going to be like the, the like one a with social network except it's fucking Monopoly? I was going to yeah. say the imitation game, but Monopoly is what's what's the one with Walt Disney and Emma Thompson saving Mister Banks? Saving Mr. Banks. Yeah. Yeah. Is it going to be that kind of? Well, that that was all kind of very light and fluffy, though. Like the I I thought though for Disney, like that was well. The, I the actual I, I thought some it was pretty fucking dark one. It was like Colin Farrell's. I actually, actually I, I I you're right. Yes, like yeah, Colin Farrell's whole bit. I, that was a bit dark. I was because I thought that it was gonna be even fluffier. Disney was that you know it's Disney. What yeah. what you know what you expected it to be. You know, like really kind of cotton candy. But the stuff with Colin Farrell, who I think is you know one of the the best things, maybe like the the, the dark horses that I film. 
Listen, it, it probably shows you him going through proper alcoholism. Yeah. And like him on his deathbed and shit. And that's for a Disney film. I find that really jarring, but I, I like the fact that they so, don't. Has, so has the woman who created the original landlordism or whatever it was called, the landlords, has she got that kind of backstory about her? I don't know. <laughs> Did she have an so alcoholic we, father? We, are we speculating like a bunch of capitalists <laughs> speculating <laughs> on the story? how much money it's going to make in the box office. Now, we're speculating on what do you think of this story being told of her original vision of a board game being stolen and I'm, corrupted into this I'm monopoly all f- I'm all for board it. game. Well, I'm I, for I think it's really interesting just in the fact that I had no idea that this was the case. I didn't realize there was some sort of controversy around the, the origins of Monopoly. Is it an independent film? Um, it's it's from, the, it's from the same production people that did the way way back uh, no not the way way back fucking little miss sunshine oh so that's okay. pa- that's not paramount advantage so so, no. so so there wasn't there isn't going to be a massive irony that a massive company is going to make this yeah i know yeah. <laughs> i know i think it's it's going to be pretty small from what i hear i think it, it, it's just in development now and they're just kind of working on it. I think it sounds pretty interesting, but see, when you actually brought it up, I thought that you meant that they were doing an origin story of Mr. Monopoly, like Rich Uncle Pennybags, like how did he make his millions? Like he was a slave trader during a Boer War or something, that's uh, something really fucked up. <laughs> I heard, a, I heard a, a, a kit from Night Raiders auditioning for The Cure. <laughs> <coughs> also heard Brum, Brum's going for it as well. <laughs> Brom's got that shit locked down. I don't know. Everything's Brom's locked. Brom's making but, a comeback. Uh, you know, Straight out like, of the West Midlands. Creative differences and all that there and all. They're still ironing out the contract, as it were. Straight out of the Vauxhall garage. Is Brom coming? Tell us this. Who would be your choice to play Mr. Monopoly? Who hey. do you know? <laughs> what, what actor do you know who has a massively oversized head, small body, and really suits a monocle? Very Cara Pockington. I'm not an actor. <laughs> oh, not, 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 you don't have anything else, Fatsuck. Hey, man, you see my monocle game, like, I wear a mean monocle. I'd say Ed, Ed Harris would be a good choice. Ed Harris would be phenomenal. Mr. Monopoly isn't fat, he just has a big fat. head. And no, but if you see Ed Harris... He's only greedy for money. But if you see Ed Harris in uh, Man on a Ledge, he lost a bit of weight and stuff, and his head is kind of a bit too big for his body, and that it's a bit. But weird. he doesn't look like the. It's not like him. Gluttonous He's a big square head. He needs a head like a fucking orange. Yeah, like, he's he? a proper massive loaf. Well, what about what you said, Ben Kingsley? Ben Kingsley, more than likely, will get it because he's a baldy bastard. We're um, talking about a different ben film Kingsley. here, but. <laughs> yeah, no, but this is our own film. We're trying to come up with now. But I mean, if you see. Oh, well, there is a Monopoly film by Hasbro. That's right, that's right. But if you think outside the box, I, you know, I think it'd be a good Mr. Monopoly. Outside the box, though. Outside the board, do you know? Who I think o- off a board, yeah, off yeah. a board. I, do you know? Who I think about good Mr. Monopoly, Stanley Tucci. He's got that charm. Yes. Oh, he's yes. perfect. He's perfect, doesn't yes. he? Oh, look at you him. You lock him down. You can look, see him in a wee look car. At that, look at that face. You can see him in a wee car. With a stack of twenty pound notes in the boot. Definitely. Uh, okay, we'll we'll move on here because that was complete. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Nonsense. Okay, so now it's time for... Topics, topics, topics. Yeah, please. I just no. That's sweet. I on. actually, I actually tried like recording all the all of those and I varied them all on top of one another, and it was the biggest amount of white noise I've ever heard. <laughs> it was just. I think I think the but, topics thing is the only but thing. Then, but then we'll definitely have Michael Keaton listening. <laughs> I think the, the topic white theme... noise film reference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of those I was lists. wondering what the fuck that was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was all. Why? Was Michael Keaton I'm not going to lie, Mikey, quite obscure. I <laughs> went over all our heads. I think though that the, the topics theme is it's the only team that we ever actually work as a team. Every other team are so first. I think I brought a blood fucking thirsty savages. Heron's a conscious. Conscious is a He's an objective. I love that as yeah. well. The first time we knew you, you must have came out while I wasn't here. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we'll move on to topics. Who's got one? Who's got one? Uh, I have one. I, I literally just thought it about an hour before we start this podcast because I'm like, I want all week. Oh, well, uh, it'll be an in depth one. Right, well, no, you know what? It's uh, it's quick, it's quick and to the point. Uh, read an article recently, and it's something that I never actually thought about, and it just kind of gave me a different perspective. Uh, it was actually uh, it was about Kevin Smith. Apparently, Kevin Smith. Doesn't call you know like some directors like uh, maybe Steven Spielberg or you know Alfred Hitchcock name like an Alfred Hitchcock film a Steven Spielberg film Quentin Apart- Tarantino a Quentin Tarantino film uh, Kevin Smith is I'm not saying he's in the same ilk as those directors but he said that he was completely against that because he thinks that naming a film a such and such film is massively insulting to the rest of the crew that was involved because obviously film at its most basic level should be a collaborative effort. And it kind of undermines their work and it makes it seem like, yeah, okay, fair enough, the director, as always, the visionary, 
and they are always the one who kind of tells everybody else what to do. But he says that he, he just finds that it, it makes them reap all the credit when that isn't the case. So the question is, do you think that that term, a such and such director's name, Fulham, is insulting, or do you think it's just one of those things? Did you um, talk about this before, or is this deja vu? No, I heard no. this recently. Maybe I just said it before we started, <laughs> but no, it's the first time we talked about this. I'm not, I actually heard an interesting thing while watching Dinner for Five with John Favreau. It's I watched it recently on YouTube. It's just his show where he, he just has dinner with four celebrities, normally actors or directors and stuff. Oh, he had Tony Hawk on one episode. Yeah, Martin Manson on one as well, which is about <laughs> right there. Like. But uh, no, he, ha- he, he had uh, Kevin Smith on an episode and uh, it was brought up that John Favreau said before he would never take a phone by credit. Oh, okay. I didn't see but, that one. But uh, but then he he took one on Elf, which is as besides me, is something like is it's only a second film. I'm I'm not I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it is, but either way, you can. Well, there's there's a big gap between Maiden and Elf. But no, he, he he directed this fucking abomination with fucking Gary Busey's son. He directed this abomination with Gary Busey's son. It was like called I can't remember. It was like. There's a number in the title, like ten thousand dollar something or whatever. It's about college kids or something who are all inventors and they're trying to invent something. Uh, like, like entrepreneurs, sort of way. Yeah. I sort of hang and uh, yeah, don't waste your time, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but John Favreau said the only reason he took the film by credit is because he didn't get a written by credit and he felt he contributed to, to the script a lot and. Uh, he didn't get that credit, so he decided to take the phone by credit, which I think it's it's it's, it's a, no. Well, is it though? I mean, like, be, is a phone by and written by like the same kind of credit? Nah, I I I think that, and we've said it so many times that there's a ridiculous amount of components in in any film, be it like you know, song that's made for twenty thousand dollars, be it song that's made for you know two hundred million. Everybody's got their part to play, and the director who usually kind of hoovers up all the applause and all the awards, or the mm-hmm. producer for that matter, there'd be nothing without that crew. And I think that even like Christopher Nolan and so many directors have said that they would not have the finished products or the filmography that they've had if it wasn't for the amazing crews that they've they've mm-hmm. had they work with. You know what I mean? Because is, they is would there have... any auteurs that really deserve the credit? Stanley Kubrick. But see, for me, like I, I do agree that obviously there are authors, there are directors um, who are absolute visionaries. Jesus Christ! I mean, like one of my favorite directors is probably the most notorious for naming a song. like John Carpenter's Halloween, John Carpenter's The Thing. You know um, what I mean? And he admitted himself that he only used it as like a sort of yes. If you got it as as, as <laughs> no, Mike no, 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 not yet. But uh, like John Carpenter admitted himself that when he started, like, he used that almost more so as a publicity tool. Not even so much to get his name out there or to make him seem grandiose, but just to kind of make a brand out of his name so people associated his name with a certain style yeah. of film. I, you know what I mean? Because actually, fun enough, uh, Name Over for Christmas isn't even directed by Tim yeah. Burton. Henry Seller. Aye, uh, but it's Tim Burton's. Tim Burton's Name Over for Christmas. I think, and that is also why Kevin Smith brings it up because. There's a really obviously. I can see he has a thing with Tim Burton. There's a huge blatant feud with Tim Burton, is, Kevin Smith. They despise each other. Yeah. Is that Kevin Smith like actually trying to make himself look humble though? Because to be honest, like when I think of when I think of like dogma and stuff, straight away I think of Kevin Smith. At the exact same time, you know, there's no way around it. 
like mm. he he's in that position he's one of those people that is always going to be directly linked with his films and no matter what like if someone says one of his films someone's always going to say someone's always going to think Kevin Smith I love yeah. saying that straight away it's, it's, it's weird because but but is that him just trying to be humble I, as I, one of those people oddly enough I mean like it's it's probably the first time that Kevin Smith has ever been accused of being humble because I mean like, <laughs> because I mean Kevin Smith I mean like Kevin, Kevin Smith is I mean like he's and in fairness to him, he always comes out himself and says that he loves talking. He, he runs his mouth all he's the time. A, he's a media whore. He's, he's a media whore <laughs> and he's an absolute blowhard. So I think that the fact that he said that as opposed to any other director, it actually carries more weight. Right. Because if anything, he would be the exact sort of person who would see a Kevin Smith yeah. film. You know what I mean? So the fact that he came out with it, that's what kind of took me back. I thought, Jesus Christ, I mean, maybe there is some kind of witty what he's saying. Well, I, and I liked I, it, yeah. I heard a thing before, though, that, uh, like... You can say a dir- a director gets all, all the praise for a film, and and that uh, they they they're the ones that kind of get lauded, and it's like oh it's a Christopher Nolan film or whatever. But on the other side of that, if it goes bad, mm-hmm. they they get all the blame. I was about to say it. Uh, I mean, ask them they chill. Honestly, although it's his entirely his fault. That's that's really unfair to his crew. Everything like the gift as well. People said that it's shite. They're actually well, sorry. The they're, visit, they're, the they're, gift. they're well-made films, like. Alright, but the thing is, because his name is attached to it, everybody else is suffering because of it. No, no. I oh w- no, they're actually just shite. Sorry. No, I know. I I wouldn't agree with Air because for After Earth, his name was nowhere on that, and it was still panned as a bad film. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so it's actually just shite then. Yeah, <laughs> it's a strange one too. Though I th- I think that obviously when M Night Shyamalan started out, he had Sixth Sense, amazing, Unbreakable, amazing. I think Signs is actually really underrated. And then there was stuff like uh, Lady in the Water, stuff like that in the Village. They weren't that great. They weren't necessarily bad films. I think at the Village has a lot of strong points. Actually, I think it's got a but lot of strong points. But then I think it was almost like a media backlash. You get this with a media, and it's really fucked up. But they just choose one certain director. And they really, really hit on him more than anything possible. And he could have been that he could that could have been any director, but they just seemed to take a distance to him because he's he was a nickelback. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, no, but no, but it's we, almost like a tide of opinion. Yeah. especially more so on the internet. If you start slagging something off, it becomes very easy to to repeat that slagging off I've always felt precisely I've always felt really bad for Emily Shellman because there are way worse directors out there than Emily Shellman who have made not one good film he has made at least I would say three maybe three and a half good films what's he called? I I, I can't pronounce it I've never got a surname Shyamalan I thought it was Shyamalan 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 Shyamalan. Sri Lankan. Sri Lankan. Shyamalan. Sri Lankan. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Is either Tamil or Sri Lankan. No, but formerly of Sri Lanka. No, but no, but see, see with Lady in the Water though, is that not when he kind of just went off the waterfall? Like, I mean, it it was originally with Disney, I think, and they had all these notes on the script, and he he just completely refused to take any of them, and. I think it went to a different studio, and he he made himself the kind of hero of it. Like he he's this in, like genius writer in yeah. the script. And the, oh, that, that, I mean, like that, I mean, like you you can say there was this kind of media backlash to him, but he, he, he started making bad films. He done, he, no, he, he does start making bad films. 
he doesn't do himself any favours by having these really needless cameos of himself in there when he's not a professional actor, yeah. which just seemed like an absolute ego trip. Wooden. Wooden as fuck, yeah. 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 And, you know, he was like a fucking human cupboard. And then, it, I mean, like, he doesn't do himself any favours either when he went on this... Um, well, I suppose he kind of would do too if people are constantly, you know, shitting on your work. But Sorry, he went this crusade against critics as well. And before you know, before I forget, is this, is this a good example of the opposite? But, uh... No, I'm not going to replace this. John Lasseter. Lasseter? Yeah, yeah. Lasseter. Like, isn't he, like, pretty much the creative force behind a lot of... He's a director. He's a god of Pixar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, no, he's like, he's in charge of, people, of all yeah, animation. Yeah, and a lot of people wouldn't he's even know producer, who he is. And he's the guy that, like, steered that ship to all the... Sig- well, not, obviously not single-handedly, <clears> but that guy has completely downplayed his role in time. all those films. And he is a fucking genius. I mean, like, yeah. he, he would say that he's... the new. I would say, like, the modern age... American Walt Disney, I don't know, you know what I mean, and what he's done, like he's kind of taken. Well, they were bought over by Disney. No, of course, yeah. I mean that they're a part of Disney, but he's taken obviously the new age of animation and 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 being the creative force of what Disney was in American cinema, maybe throughout like the twenties, thirties, forties, whatever else. But yeah, he he's not just in charge of Pixar; he's in charge of all animation at Disney now. He's the head of animation, so he he is a he has a hand in all Disney stuff was, as well. He's like frozen and when all. Disney bought out Pixar, Pixar essentially assimilated, became Disney like. Well, no, Pe- Pixar is still essentially their own studio, much like Marvel is their own studio, and Lucas, Lucasfilm's yeah, their own sorry. studio. Like, but Disney aren't making anything else, really, are they? Well, Disney have Disney their own... Disney everything? Like, <laughs> di- <laughs> di- like Disney well, animation, Disney, Disney animation Disney studios that no, Frozen like, and what, Tangled. Like, is, what's classically Disney, though, is in... Like, well, is it, don't, don't Pixar have a pretty much... Like, they have, they have Disney, like... They, they, no, they, I, John I, Lasseter does, but... <laughs> Okay. But I, I Pixar, it's so own. Maybe that's, maybe that's where my lines. I know, I know what Scruff. I know Scruff's trying to say. He's basically oh. saying that because most of Disney's animated output now is essentially Pixar, is Pixar not just essentially Disney's? But it's not. But it's end of that's. It's not because obviously they got Frozen and Tangled and, and Wreck It Ralph and Wreck It Ralph. But at the same time, you do get race coming from that is not as much oh, as being released sorry. anymore. I didn't realize. I didn't realize that Wreck It Ralph and Frozen weren't. Pixar? Yeah. No, that's Disney Animation Studios. Oh, okay, okay. But they're using pretty much all of Pixar's technology to do that. Well, no. Because they it's acquired a, it in the buyout. Well, maybe they're using their technology or whatever, yeah. but you know, it's not the same animators. It's not the same storytellers, essentially. Yeah. Okay. They were the pioneers, obviously. Yeah, obviously they pioneered the whole 3D animation yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. It's very hard to know. Like, but I mean, that was a but weird like, tangent. <laughs> but I... Going back to what Max said, is that the book essentially stops the director. I mean, I watched on, on a lot of John Favreau's films, like on Elf and on the first Iron Man, there's just like two hour making ofs on those DVDs mm. where he get he pays the crew, they, they just uh, follow the whole process. And you literally see people coming up to him all the time asking him, Is this okay? Is this okay? And he's just like, um, uh, No, that, 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 do that one don't do this one you know, like the colours of the yeah. suit or like the colours of, of you know, both the elf suit and the airman suit or the colour or you know how, how an, uh, a special effect is going to look it's just no 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 this needs to be like this and this you know and so in lots of those ways I mean, if you're that hands on and that involved I, I mean if, I can understand if you're just focusing on drama you know and you let everybody else have their own devices and all but when you're that involved in every single fucking department then I still don't think that a John Favreau film or a whomever a film by, a film by uh, is essentially 
worthwhile because I mean that that's just being the director really. Yeah. yeah. See, I would, I would I would totally agree with you. I a hundred percent. That's the director's that, role. I, like I, I would agree that the book stops the director. They are the people who have to make essential decisions. Maybe besides the producers, but they're more on the financial side. If it goes bad, it all comes down on them. They're under serious, serious amounts of pressure. And I, they've got an amazing, probably hundreds of strong, you know, crew to help them out and realizing that goal. But I think they just, I don't know, I'm kind of split on it. But I think the term a such and such film, everybody knows you're the creative force. Doesn't need to be there. But at the same time, is it that big a deal? I know it just it kind of it, it it's it's a sore point for some people. Maybe not so much myself. Sorry, before we go, this is a completely off topic. Yeah. But but um. Apparently, uh, in that film Tiptoes, the the director, this is what I read on Wikipedia, the director was sacked, and then when it went to the studio, they cut it up differently to the original cut. And Peter Dinkley says that like the original cut was actually a beautiful work of art, which I can only think. <laughs> but through studio fuckery, they actually made it, they tried to like make it appeal to like, rom-com audiences, and they really fucked it up in a bad way. Mm. So the producers, in that case... I think the director really, really wanted to distance himself from that project. Yeah. That yeah. that that happened to uh, Dave Rowe Russell recently as well. That film, it was it was originally called Nailed. Yes. With Jake Gyllenhaal. I only it, heard about this already. It 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 came out recently. What is it? I, I can't remember what it was called when it came out, but it's a film David o. Russell did years ago with Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, I can't mind who the who the female role was in it. But, oh fuck! Sorry, I've I've read about this really recently. Uh, it's got a different name here, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Nailed, nailed was the original uh, title for it, but it got changed, and it literally got released like a few months ago. But di- it was years ago. David o. Russell shot this here, and there was all these problems on set and all. And it was just he just wa- he was either fired or just left the set. And then the producers just went in, uh, uh, like recently because David o. Russell has become a bigger name since then. That they're just releasing this film, just hoping people will go see it because it's a David Russell film. And apparently it's horrendous. I it, 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 it was the producers just caught it together from what footage they had. Mm. You know, it's just it's nothing. See, I think the only way you can picture your name on as a title is if I mean you can understand if I know you had written the film, you've been writing that script for six years or something, and then you went on directed it and then you ended up producing it to get it the way you wanted it and all and you have that much of control over it I kind of sort of think that when it's that confident the vision yeah. you can probably say it, it's it's your film as opposed and, to and see, someone this, else's this is no bias for me but that's why I can agree with Carpenter's one because usually Carpenter wrote directed exactly it was entirely a fucking creation of John Carpenter's yeah, like, there's that great bit the player though where like the writer has all these like really really grandiose ideas and then at the end of the film he's just sitting there and they've completely fucked with his yeah, film but he uh, just wants to get it out he's like no no that's exactly what I want to see it's, yeah. it's, it's a, get paid it's the it's player the uh, Robert Altman one yeah Robert Altman yeah, yeah. Uh, Tim Robbins Robert, Robert Altman director it's a very sad thing and it's, it's, it's almost like a sort of a cliche joke now to him like in film whereas they always say like oh I, I, for uh, TV's a writer's haven because writers are respected in TV whereas if you've got a crack on screenplay and it could be like you know on the blacklist for years and stuff like that when it actually comes to production then unfortunately a while a lot of times the writer means fuck all and they just tick your creation and do whatever they want with there's very few writers out there who are respected enough that their usual original script 
won't be strong enough to carry though. Like you've got like like some Woody Allen or maybe an Andy Kaufman or something like that. Mm. But all or not, I mean, most writers who are trying to make a book, they might have one good script, but it'll usually be butchered or fucking toyed by a lack of producers or directors or whatever. Just to explain for the listeners, the blacklist. Yeah. Do you want to explain that, Chanko? Uh, just a blacklist, or sorry, the blacklist in Hollywood is usually a list of about, well, there's, there's no really, you know, no, no films. It's, it's a list of really good screenplays that have so far Written been overjust in Hollywood. Yeah, by <laughs> it's, it's, it's essentially just a list of cracking screenplays that a lot of uh, Hollywood power men have got their finger on, wouldn't they produce, but haven't quite been made yet. Right. What's the difference between that and development hell? Uh, just development. These you know, might be made. Yeah, these <laughs> might be made. I mean, a lot of films. I mean, uh, there's actually a lot of scripts that. Have there's been a, there's the a lot blacklist. of crossover between them, though. Yeah, there's been a lot of scripts on the blacklist <clears> that are <throat> apparently unbelievable scripts and have so much potential, but never get made because mm. of development hell, problems of financiers, problems getting you know studios to pack on, problems oh, yeah, getting yeah. distributors. Yeah, but I development mean, hell is a broad term because that can obviously then go on to the sort of apocalypse now sort of one where it's development hell whilst they're shooting you know I like mean, you get a fucking typhoons and your cast picking up clarion and shit like I that I think you know the, the, the perfect example of the last locker years is Terry Gilliam's uh, Don Cutie Don Cutie yeah, like, I mean, he's been trying to make that fucking ages. and so was, was Kubrick, <laughs> Kubrick trying to get a Don Cutie for fucking years as well it is but he's, he's, redo- he's, Sorry, Robert, he's, he's, Sorry, he's cast no. Robert Duvall and the new Don Quixote apologies I got that wrong and the new version of the whole thing like Robert Duvall's like a massive character in it now they're bringing back the Don Quixote thing they've got money for it again maybe Johnny Depp's back in it they're at Sorry, it to bring it back f- to the topic Stanley Kubrick would be another one that you would always say Stanley Kubrick yeah. Robert Aye, that's, that's an answer that's an yeah. I do agree oh, with that as well yeah. I think credit given where credit is due uh, credit given where credit is due it's not great for a director to take all the credit but at the same time if they've pushed that from the start and overseen every little aspect of it uh, like Kubrick or like oh, he, he, he essentially was a photographer to begin with wasn't yeah, he? It was a, that's he, what I'm he saying like I mean, I mean it was like I mean that's another thing I was going to bring that up when you had a chance but I mean like uh Kubrick, as you say, was a photographer and he was no stranger to fucking lenses and he, he knew his way around things and, and you know, if he wanted something to look a certain That's way, the then though, exactly, like, I mean, he, he's, a, he's a technical man, he's a severely technical man He's a technical man So are we, <laughs> saying, are, we saying, are we saying that like in the sense that if you get really into the nitty gritty like, like, lenses lenses and stuff like that and I'm saying a lot in lots of ways like sport, I mean because then I mean, you're allowed to call it your film it's, it's weird because thing. lots of guys get drafted in as fucking directors and they're called like studio directors like yeah. I mean there's lots of big ones like yeah, I mean for example journeyman journeyman like for example like I mean one of the best fucking journeyman goings Richard Donner like yeah but you know Richard Donner he, he does not have really a style nah. but you can you can he has a fucking tremendous career it's functional Shan's yeah, left yeah, at 10 yeah, you can't even hear him yeah, like, yeah. but anyway I was just gonna but, but, but the man can fucking put a phone together the man can seriously put a phone did together you just, put it, you just put it the opposite spin that again do you think M. Night Shyamalan actually deserves all the abuse he gets be, even though he's not doing every single shitty part of that film I don't know I think I think that he took a wee bit too much on the shoulders whilst not you know perhaps having his as much of a fucking well 
it's really hard to know because it's hard to know how much input he had. I mean, yeah, not, yeah, now in hindsight, yeah. we know that Stanley Kubrick, you know, yeah, yeah, was a photographer and whatever. I mean, yeah. there's a whole thing in the killing. Did you ever see the killing with Stanley Kubrick? Where uh, he had set up this whole shot and he put a lens in the camera and he had it set up and he says, All right, I want this thing. It was like a 40 mil lens. And the guys are walking into a room and he says, I want the track from here to here. I want to stop here and then that's where my next cut's going to be. This fucking cameraman, DP, came in and... Uh, he changed it. He's on now. It'd be much better. And uh, he didn't tell us. He's on the Kubrick. He's all be much better in a different lens. And so the guy changed the lens, whatever. And he says we're going to change the lens here and here and here. And then and Kubrick just went back and said no. Uh, I'm a director. I put that lens on. That's the lens I want. I'm a cameraman. I'm not stupid. And I, I know what. That's the way I set it up originally. So don't fuck with me fucking gear. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, and so. For that sort of sense and having that much of a have a knowledge of all your departments as well, so that's I your think. Bottom line then. I, I think so. I think I mean to be honestly to be a book a good fucking quartermaster to be a good fucking a good but, fucking but, but, sorry, master sorry, of the set. Just, just bringing it back to the question, like or the topic that he posed. Yeah, is that where you can call yourself? You know, I, your honestly, I, I would say if you have to and if you want to, I would say if you have a fucking fluid and you know confident knowledge of all the departments and how to deal with them having maybe worked on them or having a respect for them and knowing the workings of all of them and actually being able to if someone's missing being able to go and fucking do their job for them then I think I I think you're and to get it exactly the way you want it. Then I think I you could probably say it's your. Film. I'd say the only real way to answer that question is to ask all the staff of those films. Do they feel comfortable <laughs> saying it was their film? Yeah, I I, 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 th- I think yeah. that's a really good point, and I think that if it was a true auteur like a Kubrick or say. You it's know, still like, very hard I mean I'm saying that but it's still very hard to it's, say it's, it's hard to say but I would say if you were to ask uh, the crews of films of auteurs like Kubrick or like Carpenter or like these top top directors I think that for the most part you would actually find that most of the crew would be, you know what he was the visionary it was almost like a sort of follow the leader sort of thing we done exactly what he said and we're capable at our jobs but we just done our jobs based on around what he told us yeah. because he had a certain vision or an idea I just think that then where the difficult part comes in is when you get these kind of first timer sort of journeyman directors who don't really have a style, who don't really have much kind of wit behind them, who say like a you know a, a such and such film and they're nobody's. Come they're on, just, name them. There's just, <laughs> I don't know, like I, I, James I, I, Mangold maybe. A James Mangold. James Mangold's have to maybe a James Mangold or like a, a Gavin O'Connor film, and they don't have a style. They're just functional directors who make. Liam Wiseman's a good one. Liam as well. Just shit. these directors who make functional films. They know how to make a good film. They know how to make it solid. They know how to keep oh, it tight. I guess who's directing? They heard sex. Liam Wiseman. Fucking. Ah, uh, <laughs> he just passed on the head. Well, he did such a good job before. Then. <laughs> he did such a good job of fucking me off before. <laughs> <laughs> Prick. But forking me off. Uh, <laughs> nah, absolutely not. But no, what I was going to bring up is. Like you, you can debate, like, uh, do, does somebody deserve like a phone by credit or whatever? Well, we have but, been. <laughs> all right, is that what I've been? I've been out of the room for the past half an hour. Um, no, but it's just, is there any real need for that credit though? Yeah, that, that that's an hour. Say, Larry, because comes because like, need for it, as I mean. as Heron brought up, like, you're already the director. Yeah, everybody you know I mean? knows you were the one in charge. It's, it's almost like that's what I don't get sometimes even with Alexa maybe Spielberg or even my beloved Gartner 
sometimes it just feels like another wee bit of an ego bath. You know what I mean? Like, do you need to have that on there? Yeah. Everybody knows that you created it. You know what I mean? Because usually when you see it come up the start, it says like say a John Carpenter film, then produced by John Carpenter, then written by John, then directed by John Carpenter. Like how many fucking credits they need? Like who's got another topic? I have a topic. Go. I'm not sure it was good enough to this podcast. But, Is it bingo? Uh, <laughs> no, it was like um, when does a deconstruction end up becoming its own genre? That's a good, it's a good question. Uh, Scream for it. Hi. Because he's love, he's love mentioning your deconstruction. Oh, right. Sh- Sean Coyle loves a good Shan deconstruction. To, to be honest, he is to be honest, the like, bulldozer of celluloid. What kind of comes to mind is things like Hot Fuzz and like the other guys and essentially cop movies that they make fun of cop movies and yeah. funny movies. And that, that has almost become its own comedy cop movie yeah. genre. Take the piss of other... It's, it's really, it's really interesting because you, you actually had a lot of examples of it in like the history of cinema. I think that the most famous recent one was when Scream came out, which was a deconstruction of the horror genre. The horror genre, more specifically, the slasher. Yeah. When that came out, you had this spate of really genre savvy deconstruction slashers coming out, like Urban Legend and uh, I know what you did last summer and stuff like that. And it was films where the teenagers weren't these stupid clueless teenagers. They knew of, what was going on. Precisely, yeah, yeah, yeah. they weren't the teenagers of the Friday the teams or you know like the Nightmare Four M suits or Halloweens. They were the teenagers who grew up with these films and knew the conventions of these films, and then that got old really quick because there's only so much you can do with. And then yeah. that ran out of steam within about three years. And the ironic thing is, is that as soon as that ran out of steam, what was then introduced again? It was the remix of Halloween, Nightmare Four M Street, and Friday the Thirteenth. So it was almost like after you deconstructed the slasher film and you know kind of puck behind the veneer of that film and seen how it was made up and seen the nuts and bolts then after you kind of understood that you just wanted to see it again only modernised you know what I mean <laughs> which is kind of fucked up like yeah. it's, it's really funny because you were talking about um, what was the Irish one about the Grabbers the Grabbers, Grabbers. Uh, the thing that exempted that from all the cliches was they were drunk and, and then that, that, that made sense then that they were, if they fucked things up it's because they're not ignorant they knew what was going on. It was such they a were strong just narrative. Drunk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that, that was a cracking narrative, but Scruff's question, uh, just because I knew about it. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, uh, when did they become their own? Um, to be fair, I was thinking about this. Uh, last I knew. Nah. It does actually at the very very end it resolves itself like a proper Hollywood action film. Wait, sorry, that that's not that's not what I was saying. Like those films then then become their own genre. Yeah, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. So you need to name ones after it's that. It's strange well. because I mean you could almost say but that Hot Fuzz is almost like a carry on from Last Action and that the fact that it's a genre. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Then that becomes that that genre, like. But I don't know. Well, um, when does it stop becoming a deconstruction and just another genre of film? All right, no, okay, fuck, right. <laughs> no, I, I thought you meant at what point in the film oh, no, did, no. did it kind of sack the deconstruction and go, right, we actually want a Hollywood end now there. Right, there. right. So, so that fucked me off, right, because one of the other ones that I would have put into that category, and this is a bit of a spoiler, but I don't think anyone wants to watch it, is I think What If would have fallen into that kind of genre that 500 Days of Summer created I love that film. from being... A deconstruction of the romantic film. And then at the end of What If, it then 
fucking went back. Sort I, of. I it goes back, yeah. but but, but I think it, but that I would I would consider Five Hundred Days of Summer a what if in that created a genre then of like anti. I I, I I think over the past couple of years there's been a massive spit of when I, I can't really put my finger on the first one the deconstructed rom com, but now the deconstruction of rom com has actually become a genre itself exactly, because yeah. you have Five Hundred Days of Summer, you have what if you have like Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, you know films like that. That it's now almost seen as the norm that a rom com can't be played uh, straight anymore. It's 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 a it's a quirky rom com. Yeah, and it's become that. I don't I don't think the playlist is a deconstruction. I think it's it's a it's a pure formula trying to. It's test form, it's from the fact that they get together at the end, but it's I mean, not like the usual sort of meet cute lovey dovey sort of stuff. I, you know I what I mean? It, it's, I it's just it's just about raw, but I I think it's I really think it's really formula. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen. They've it just yet, changed the elements out like. I haven't seen it yet, but I think that uh, Me Earl and the Dying Girl would also fit in. That's, yeah, that's a huge... But that that would not have happened without those films before it, like, you know? I've seen that, and it's a massive deconstruction, and I'm sorry, but spoilers for Me Earl and the Dying Girl, but then when it turns out at the end of that film... She doesn't die. There, well, no, well, it's a huge spoiler. She does die. Oh, and fuck off. I'm sorry, I know. I, I said massive spoilers. Uh, you know, cheers. I, I well, chucked them out there. You know, it's kind of, it's the hint. The clue it's is in, in the, the title. title. Yeah, no. She does. The, the point. The point ah, is. Fuck's the point sake, is. She dies, but you learn. You learn more when somebody dies. You actually learn more about their lives. Sometimes they never <laughs> expressed part of their lives to you until you found out after they died. Yeah. And that's that. I think that was a lovely sentiment with that phone. Just going off in a very quick time. Just that, even when somebody dies. You don't finish knowing them. And you, you, I watched that on a, a little Sunday night date with Dahi, and we sat there, and he kept, you know, the the narrator, the the main character, is going, "Oh, this this is where we should have kissed," and then it goes, you know, it goes to that scene where they're going to kiss, but no, just didn't happen. I, I actually you know. think that, and it's it's actually a good, it's it's, it's that, a good that 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 kind of fills in a sort of more. What actually really happens between mm. relationships between men and women? I think it's a good measuring stick for for Scruff's topic, which I think is a cracking topic. That Mural and the Dying Girl is not only like the sort of peak that you can get in the deconstruction of the rom com because it's so much a deconstruction that you mm. would actually even question it's not even a rom com. No, you know, I mean, it's like it's, a, it's like a teen drama, but you expect it to be a rom com the yeah. way through, and you expect them to kinda get together, and it never happens. Lures you in. That specifically is is a kind of a true deconstruction, but um, a lot of the films that claim to be deconstructions aren't really. They always fall back as a reconstruction. Like last action here, as much as they love it. Last action hero becomes a reconstruction. Yeah, it's a straight action film for a it, lot of it. Yeah. I, it, is, it is. I mean, it, it has deconstruction elements in it for the most most part of the film. It, it's actually what makes the film interesting. The, the betrayal of the deconstruction element in the last couple of Die Hard films. I, <laughs> it, just, it just comes back on itself and just like, all right, okay, this is okay. This is or, just the same as what we you see, know. Or any, any Matthew Vaughn film. Yeah. Exactly. Every it goes back and it goes back and it's like it's not really deconstruction at all. I mean, what what should have happened at the end? If if last action here was a true fucking deconstruction, it would have ended with Arnie in the fucking real world. Arnie going with the fucking the wee fella's ma. Yeah. He was well up for it. Oh. She was. Oh, she was on it, and <laughs> yeah, so was fucking Arnie. Let's not forget, like hey. Arnie was well for it. <laughs> and uh, Emmons fucking I don't know fucking. 
maybe not getting married because that's almost a fucking too much it happened yeah. Emma's going for coffee and then I'm eating a fucking big stupid looking ice cream or something or I, <laughs> I don't know song or but so, song that was not a Hollywood ending and huh. him like huh. fucking not having a gun on him or something or uh, maybe I Damon's going for a fucking Emma's going for lunch Arnie you're fucking your wee fuckers ma who played chicken with the wrong person and then fucking they're going for a wee meal and then Arnie gets gone down out the front of the fucking cafe mm. that's your deconstruction there chief ever. what a way to make children cry here <laughs> I don't think I'm yes but that's what the that's, that's that's an example of how that would, would have been a fully fledged deconstruction of that genre. In talking and about it wasn't. In, in talking I about uh, making children cry, though, I always thought the the villain in the Last Action Hero was quite terrifying. He's fucking brilliant. Axe. Charles Dance. Yeah, he's, he's no, 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 no. The, the the guy with the axe. Yeah, he always came out to me as a bloody fucking creep. Like a I know. He's, 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 he actually he's, stalk, he's he stalked creepy. the cast when he worked on a Manhunter. He stalked the cast. He's all got many more characters. All. Maybe you're just mental. <laughs> <laughs> he seems like a sort of boy should be in a register. But I mean, when it when it when it comes down to like deconstructions <laughs> and stuff again, like and when they actually become. Because he's such a good actor, by the way. He's on the registers of really good actors. <laughs> he's on a register. As, you know, he's on the good actor register, not not the the R register <laughs> that everyone knows about. But like when it comes to deconstructions and becoming their own genre, I think it's I think it's happening a lot more now. In modern time, because everybody with the like the internet and movie websites, everybody's becoming so genre savvy. Everybody knows the elements and the tropes of every fucking because genre that's going. Because there's been some what like 80, 80 years of cinema. Yeah, that well, you now have to deconstruct. Yeah, well, well, it's, it's, actually, new it's genres, actually about one hundred and thirty. Well, but I'm, <laughs> I'm taking it from. Well, know. it's yeah. it's it's also just genre fatigue. Like, you know, like sorry, just I people forget. Get, I forget this. Not two thousand, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's just people. Pe- people get fed up saying, seeing the same formula over and over again. And a deconstruction is a interesting way to kind of take that very same formula, mm-hmm. but just to be like, oh look, we're doing this fucking formula. Isn't that weird? My favorite, de- <laughs> my favorite deconstruction that like absolutely hit me in the face that I would like to see become a genre is super. Because yeah, that. That super was fucking brilliant. Super was super. Like, but that I mean, like a superhero deconstruction is no, not that, not that. That's been done. I mean, like because you've got Defendor, you've got Kickass. Is De- it? No, it, it's Kick-Ass far more. Fu- no, yeah, 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 like Kickass really soft compared to Super. Like, no, of yeah. course. I mean, like obviously, and Super is a lot more full on. But the same thing, there's still it's still a genre. It doesn't matter how you know kind of vicious the genres it's that is your topic you know a deconstruction of the superhero film and there's quite a few out there now you would even say that you know Scott Pilgrim vs the world nah, sort not, of not, 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 not the level of super super it's on another level like yeah, it hit me in the face like and I would like to see a bit more of that sort of I don't think that will become a so genre but I think you've kind of listed off a few more I like films that have become deconstructions that are now starting to find their own niche. Yeah, definitely, know? definitely. It's it's even a weird one, and and considering it is now just seen as a solidified genre on its own, mm-hmm. I read this interesting article recently that a lot of kind of theorists and uh, critics would actually say that film noir is in a way a deconstruction of a thirties crime film because a thirties crime film was showing crime was really glitzy and glamorous and all that shit. And fair enough, obviously because of the Hayes Code, the criminal always had to die at the end. But it doesn't actually show the proper underbelly or seediness of America. Mm. And then because World War Two came about, 
and everybody in America, or especially the the GAs who came back, seen this really dark side of the world, and they seen the fucking horror and the evil that men could do. Film the work kind of reflected that. Then the world isn't glitzy and glamoury. Crime is crime, and it's ugly, and the city's ugly, and you know when night comes, bad people come out, and considering that, you know some crime films like Cagney crime films like the late thirties, maybe like. The Public Enemy and Angel with Dirty Fists are like 39. Angel with Dirty Fists especially. Yeah, yeah but then when you see like really full-on noirs like Double Indemnity or The Maltese Falcon or like 42 or 44, that just shows the massive shift in opinion over the course of a three or four year period. To be honest, you know though, to be I, mean? honest I think that's actually uh, a categorical answer to that question because that, that actually did show films, your answer is show films where it changed from one genre a deconstruction and then those films, film noir is gigantic you know, yeah, 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 exactly, and that's still going on. And that, if you think about it, you know, sorry, yeah, if you think about it, like that, that has become its own proper genre to yeah. show the seedy side of criminal, the criminal activities, rather than. But it's come around again a wee bit again. I mean, I mean, like it's 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 it's, it's, it's weird sorry. in a way. That was the most Irish you've ever sounded in your life. Let's go to a you know that noir. It's coming away with it again. You know that noir comes around again every so often. Like, but uh, yeah, no, I know exactly what you're saying. They they tie that up. It's uh, no, it's a joke. Right, you're, you're right. Okay, yeah. It's, no, it's, you you were incredibly right. You just did it ridiculously. <laughs> that, that, that story of my life. Okay, we'll move on. Who got a topic? Who got a topic? Dominic, get your fucking topic out. No topic today. Calm her. Fred, no. Wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> we'll stroll right into the hottest new thing on the street. <laughs> <laughs> Sound older. <laughs> Would you rather? We'll go straight into it. Would you rather have dinner with Daniel Day Lewis in There Will Be Blood or Daniel Day Lewis in Gangs of New York? Oh. Gangs in New York. <laughs> Gangs in New York, because he's bringing the fucking mm. class meat. He's the butcher. I, I, yeah. I, I thought you were saying he's bringing the class. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, pretty. Really? He? He's a scumbag. <laughs> I, I definitely Gangs in New York. Definitely Bull the Butcher because there's actually just like, simply on the meat. <laughs> no, not just on the meat, but because yeah. there's a scene. There's a scene in the world. You know, blood. you know exactly what you're going to get from Bill the Butcher. Whereas fucking the guy out of Plain There view. Will Be Blood, Plain View. He's he's giving you that fucking run around. It's not even so much at the only dinner scene yeah. that I can properly remember and there will be blood ends with him accosting this completely innocent man and saying, One of these nights I'm gonna sneak into your house and I'm gonna slit your throat. You know what <laughs> I mean? So you're thinking, right, yeah. Daniel Plain, he's fucked in the head. Well so's Bella Butcher, <clears throat> Aye, but at least he's got yeah, Bill, he's, he's got Bill like a structure will of let you know. He's got a he's got, he's got a moral structure before you even sit down at the table with him. Unless I die. A true American. What a line, hey? Unreal. Uh, I will festoon my chamber with your guts. I will paint Paradise Square. Two coats. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I definitely, I'm definitely Bill Abbott, hey? So, so we're all Bill You want to pay for the pleasure of my company. See, to be quite honest, you right? I, I, I would, care for your moral columns, you meathead shit sack. Ah, that's my favourite line ever. I would actually just do a whole fucking night, the whole podcast of Bill Butcher quotes. Who was this under my knife? Unreal. He ain't out of death yet. He ain't out of death by my hand. Amsterdam. I'm New York. What a lad. Filling people. How did he get into 
character for that role because I know he does mad shit. But like, what the fuck did he do for <laughs> do, that do one? Do you know what? And you will not believe this. He nearly got fucking hypothermia. Fucking yeah. being Bill, betting around as Bill. Do you know? And this is now, like, he's a man of this in many interviews. Dude, this is fucking bizarre. How he got on the character for Bill the Butcher is he listened to Eminem on repeat because he seen Eminem as the angriest music of the time. And as Bill the Butcher, he wanted to be the angriest person possible, angry towards immigrants and shit like that. And because there was some maybe unfortunate racial aspects of Eminem's music, he listened to it nonstop. Eminem in preparation. Made one sort of yeah. slightly racist song, but I'm saying no. I mean, and that was a, when he was aggressive towards no, I'm a saying, black like, girl. I'm, I'm being a white man and like a kind of a, a, a predominantly African American dominant. That's what I'm um, saying. I'm not saying that Eminem was a racist. I don't. But, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. Well, he does do it. Like he doesn't listen. He's like, like I mean, like, doesn't yeah, mind you agree with or not. Like he fucking does it. Like, are you just being <laughs> fact? Like, I don't agree with facts. <laughs> but I like, never agree with facts. I know you don't, man. They get in the way. Yeah. <laughs> I never let them get in the way of a good story. <laughs> right, we'll move on to the next one. Would you Would you rather go 30 years in the past or 30 years in the future? When's 30 years in the past? 1985? 85. Oh, nah, future. 80s were yes. shit. Nah. Future. Put it this way, put it this way. There's a, there's a very, very good chance that there might not be a world 30 years in the future. I have one more thing. There's thing. definitely a world in the future. I, I, I have uh, with our two seconds. I have there's one, definitely I, a world in the future. And that's, you can, now, are we talking we're exploring it as adults right now? I, I, have, I have one word yeah. for Scruff. Right Essentially, one, you right. get into DeLorean and drive 88 miles from, from I have one from word for Scruff. myself in uh, 2015 to 2045. To explore the world like a child again, to explore everything, fucking yes, straight away future, straight away the future. Fuck Ooh. off, eighty five. Ryan, yeah. I have one word for you, right? If you want to go thirty years in the past to nineteen eighty five UK, I'm a Thatcher. Min- minus, <laughs> you, you want to go back to minus strike? You are fuck, son. When you think about it, we always think about America, but actually think about where we live. Yeah, one word. As where, Sean said, yeah. Thatcher. Where, where? <laughs> Derry, nineteen eighty-five. You would fuck be off. undocumented as well. Yeah, it would be an absolute nightmare, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Where say, do you find a piece? Like, say, where do you oh, find a piece? Nobody knows the fuck you are because I'm, you're a fucking alien, essentially. Aye, and as well, if you went back in the past, I mean, for they just none of your mothers oh, sorry, would be alive. I didn't realize we were going to the past in the bog side. No, but this question obviously came from Back to the Future, thirty years in the past or thirty years in the future. And in the thing of Back to the Future, you can only you only move in time. You don't move in space. So you where where you are is where you're going to be thirty years in the past. Oh, okay. In all fairness, as a worldly said, I think Derry 2045 will be worse than Derry now. <laughs> I mean, it could be possibly worse. But would it be worse than Derry 80? But see, the all the fucking Wayne's will have fucking those Derry American fucking accents because they watch far too much fucking TV and work on my three with them and I'm going to bit that line out every one of them. <laughs> we have a lot of Americans that come work with us and we can understand everything they say but they can understand us so we've got the upper hand because yes. we That's know always the way we America. know their dialects way more than they know ours so we've always got we'll always have our accent but, we'll hey, but if these fucking kids start talking like yanks then there's no ambiguity Ryan I also have to p- bring up a point 
that sounded like the most idealistic statement of all time that we are going to take over the world through the power of language. <laughs> so <laughs> Absolutely <gonna> happen. <laughs> not. We never want to take over the world. We just want to watch it burn. It does. That's <laughs> 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 like, like I don't say. like Ryan McGregor, just want to watch it burn. That's what I'm saying. If they get a virus drunk and we want to take over the world years ago. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> It's true. Not, not like the yeah, well, probably is. Like. Look, <laughs> look at us now, no, Nick. We're no, all right. Yeah. Still past, past, big time. You're uh, still going for bad. No, no, no. future, uh, future. Is everyone else future? Oh, future. Stop slapping. Scruff. Oh, but future. if you're going thirty years in the past, future. They go by what you're saying. If you go thirty years in the future, you'll be in the air. Always oh, the future. You'll be in the ground. <laughs> But if you've a flame DeLorean, Fuck because this is why you brought up this point, it's a <laughs> back for to the future, future point, then you're laughing. It was, it's back to future one, though. Always the future. <laughs> you keep saying always the future and repeat over here. I think Dom's lost a fucking plot in the, okay. the corner. Okay, but we'll, actually, we'll move on. There, on no, very, very quickly. Unless the DeLorean's a fucking space vessel. It's the future. Then we're fucked. Very, very quickly, right? Now, just very quickly, the scariest thing, Pachi decided to go on the future, right? It's all this big build up the and the fucking DeLorean doors wop open and you come out the wee side door and everything's the very same. The only thing different is we have a bit of white in our hair, white in our beards and we're still sitting in this tent. Same relationships, same bar. How grim would that but be? That's closer to the reality than what you might think. <laughs> I, I, I would be happy that but Let's you. Talk More Movies have been going 30 years. I, but would you not be happy that it's 30 years on and we're still... It's not all about fucking Let's Talk More Movies. Fucking Let's Talk Right here, here. Okay. We shall move on. Would you rather hang out with Beetlejuice or Drop Dead Fred? Fucking Beetlejuice. I Drop Dead Fred seems like a fucking narc. He seems what? like an annoying bastard. No, drop, drop their Fred all the way. No, but see, drop their Fred's nice, but he's just too... He's like a fucking... Hey, and Bill just isn't... <laughs> no, I know that, but like, I would rather just get like fucking... He these seems, curses and booty like for Yeah, because he is a child. An annoying child. Yeah, exactly. He seems like a kiwi. No, no, but he, ste- he stems from your inner self, your uh, inner child. See, putting it plainly, I would rather deal with a wanker adult than a really fucking annoying kid. That's you pretty much it comes in. You would prefer the American that are Brit, that's what your problem is. Oh, I always prefer it over the Brit. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I apologise, Tom Rick. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, nah, Beetlejuice. I don't give a fuck if it makes my head small or fucks me into some sort of mad dimension. Okay, Shans, Beetlejuice, Dom, what are you? Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Okay, Heron, you can't say it again because that'll be three times. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just say Beetlejuice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Very nice, very nice. Well Beetlejuice and Beetlejuice. Well uh, no, obviously, Rick Mail. Drop that friend. Drop that Just Rick Mail, not even drop that friend. Right. I think about Rick Mail, like, just not his character. Okay. <laughs> we'll go on to the last, would you rather? <gasps> would you rather be punched in the balls by David Bowie <laughs> in the labyrinth? Or be punched in the face by David Bowie's bulge in the labyrinth. Oh. <laughs> Do you know what? I think it's the first only time when he said rather be punched in the balls. Because <laughs> that man is a fucking banana smuggler. He is packing serious heat. It could do some damage. Fuck off. There's no there's no force behind that. I, 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 would, I would rather that in my face. I, I heard it's fucking nine inches in a flap like. <laughs> I would rather a genital being slapped in the face by a male 
genitals than fucking someone smacking my your male genitals. My bollocks. <laughs> I've heard he can wrap around his own thigh. It, it, it doubles up as a baseball bat for that, But he is quite skinny, so, you know, might not be that impressive. Uh, but he, he's a very intricate musician, which means that as he punches you in slow motion, you can only really see this effect in slow motion, is that as he punches you, he can literally wrap his knuckles right when your balls get it right under the back, and he'd be literally just just about an inch from your pelvis. It would basically, it'd be, it'd be, he would pretty much cover the right face of your ball bag it'd be a f- as he punched <laughs> it it'd be a f- if we get that deep he's that skilled a musician he'd be that good at it he'd be that deep he'd be a fingernail away from your hole you know what I mean he'd near enough be up there too right changes so Dominic so Dominic you are bulging the face bulging the face yeah Heron you are punching the balls or bulging the face Bulging the face, I'm afraid. Bulging the face. Shankar? No, I'm, I'm, I'm punching the balls. Punching the balls? Bulging my face. Scruff? Take a balls in the face. Uh-huh. Uh, ball, balls in the face? Is nah, the never yeah. balls. Because honestly, the size of that man's <laughs> package, you would need facial reconstruction of that bell end had you in the fucking shop, well, right? But at least you could always tell the story where you have that indent in your face. I'm sorry, you would love the rest of your life your fist would need a wheelchair. Honestly. <laughs> There's only one. Uh, you, you can always tell it. Uh, huh? That would be uh, one particular actor that was in a film called Shame. Oh yes, Fastbender. Oh, Mr. Fastbender. Or Massbender. Is she a big cold? My word. Okay, oh, okay. Oh. I'm I'm gonna draw an Andy. Would you rather? And bring up uh, Scruff's Let's Talk More Movies Bingo because he has been tricking Shan Coyle. Yes. Constantly. This entire show and they bingoing on himself. Yeah. What? I um devastated by the way because <laughs> I was one away from a full bingo card tell me the criteria right so we got two 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 lines on the right I'm just going to read off some of the things so what I done what I play this when I listen to the podcast because it's, <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty interesting like start doing so at home listener I I think everybody should just draw up uh, like a a nine a three, by nine. A three, no, a three <laughs> by three. A three by three square. We'll take right? a snap and show it to you on Facebook. A tic-tac-toe. A tic-tac-toe. I'll put this up in the A-cast. He's getting a four by four over here. So, simply going across the top, I wrote, disregard IMDB. Straight out of the blocks. We got that one. <laughs> yeah. right. Mispronounce a word. Three hits on this one. Right. Have you taken notes on what those hits were? No? Yeah. One of them was uh, criteria. Criteria? I've, I've turned over Keanu 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 yeah, which yeah. I thought was brilliant and I was over Archer was it oh, over Archer over Archer I've just written down here John Carpenter right? <laughs> okay. and I didn't include, must be off the fucking church <laughs> I didn't include no it isn't actually yeah, I, I didn't like. include my bringing up of uh, Escape from LA because we didn't really talk about it so I waited until the end of it and it was brought up again thank fuck so there's there's one real hit in John Carpenter and one fake hit. Uh, Dom to reveal something has got four <laughs> times, right? And we're nearly a full tally chart Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, I've, I've got such a great story, but it didn't, there's no well, chance. Could you please tell it after this? No, no, because it's, it's then great. I can do the full five. Oh, just, no, tell, no, no. just tell wait, it, Dom. Wait, wait, wait. You, have wait. To wait. you can't play the Juicy Dangler. Oh, the top one. It's, a, it's, juice, dark. it's, it's dark. a Juicy Dangler for another time. Dead center in the middle I had admit to a crime <laughs> <laughs> right? which 
There's only one tick. And I didn't write down what the crime was, but it definitely happened. They kicked the fuck out of a hedgehog. Nah. No, oh, no, that wasn't even it. That's a crime, certainly. Right. This one, to, to the left of centre, didn't get mentioned. And it was a big one, too. It was mentioned Star Wars or The Fast and the Furious. Oh, that right? didn't happen tonight. And oh, that I, was what... Deprived me of my bingo. I was actually so close to mentioning Star Wars a couple of times, but I didn't. Do you know what the worst thing is, right? I penciled in there Batman, Star Wars, or Fast and Furious, and I struck off Batman straight away. Uh, Because it would have been too easy, and that would have been bingo. I love that Shan's Batman, I'm Star Wars, and Heron's (laughs) Fast and Furious. (laughs) I also adore Fast and Furious, so I would have been well in those conversations. Um, Mentioned dogs. <laughs> uh, again, another one which I baited out of him in the dying minutes this year was mentioned John Ham. Or oh, sorry, it's John Ham or Fast uh, Rider Acclaim. Gets a good touch on this <laughs> yeah. right. John um, Ham gets a good touch on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> like <laughs> the, the last, the last but not Johnny. Johnny, read out what I've scored out there if you can take it. Where's this at? This last one here. This one. <laughs> <laughs> the last one that was a full topic was deconstructions. Yeah. <laughs> or, no, it's my toy. Or the bottom, someone do an English accent. I, uh, I literally uh, ran. I literally ran out of paper on the tally charts in this one. Like there was like 40, 40 odd mentions of deconstruction or like an English accent. Fuck no, off, mate. No. <laughs> but you brought up deconstruction as a that, topic. That's why I struck off deconstruction. Oh, right? and, yeah. Do you know what? That, well, that's just that uh, made us all feel like very uh, 2D human beings, doesn't it? We have no personality whatsoever. But uh, I like this game. Please play it at home and uh, make us feel even worse. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and we'll move on to recommendations. Who wants to go first? Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Dominic? My recommendation is another Oscar winner. I, I watched a lot of Oscar winners this week. The Butler, yeah. Forrest Whitaker, and I, I don't, I don't know who the director was, but it was. Uh, I liked it. Now I always, there's a lot of times that I would compare Twelve Years a Slave to Django Unchained, and felt that Django Unchained was a better representation of Black American history than Twelve Years a Slave. Yeah. Because because it's more gritty, it's more fucking horrific. Yeah. Whereas uh, the butler created an, a a good in between. Mm. Yeah. It was a good story. Like uh, it's an English actor. I that Steve. Oh, help me. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Lee Daniels Just, was the director. Yeah, Lee Daniels director. Yeah. Daniels. Oh. I, but I'm looking for the son. They just they are just putting Here is your son, Tommy. Here was your son. They're putting all they had Forrest Whitaker <laughs> and then they had Oprah Winfrey and then they had all the presidents. But I'm looking for Forrest Whitaker Steve something. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Okay. It's a great it's I, I really like that film. And What's it was the title again? The butler. The butler. Or Lee Daniels the butler. Oh, there we go. Go back hey, to our topic. Everybody done this everything. No, no. The the reason it had to be called the heirs because there was some other film called The Butler like back in like decades ago or something. Coast that was. And when they wanted to name this film The Butler, the 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 studio that owned the rights to the original Butler caused up a stink. Uh, they essentially wanted to get paid, and they're all right. We're yeah. not very fucking paid. Yeah. Lee Daniels The Butler. Mickey, you have a recommendation? Uh yeah. 
my recommendation is Existence. Oh, you ever yeah. see it? Yeah. Jude Law. Love yeah, Jude Law. Jude Law. Jennifer Jason Lee. And that's one of my favorite films. Really? Yeah. I was actually just trying to think of a recommendation today and then just that film popped into my head and I I seen it when I was when I was quite young and I just I, I really enjoyed it because like I like I grew up playing games and stuff and it just felt like a very different film for me and then I only found out today that it's David Cronenberg. What I recommended last week right, with yeah. the fly. <laughs> it, it, it's a film that needs at least two watches because it's so yeah. strange. Like definitely. And the thing is, I watched it ages ago and discredited it. And we're like, oh no, this is this is shite. And then when I watched it again, I was like, ooh, this really delves into like a lot of stuff about modern technology and where things are going, especially with biotechnology now. It's yeah. terrifying. So it is. Absolutely terrible, and not not to give any spoilers, but it really makes you kind of sit and go, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's not it's not 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 a, not a spooky kind of like thing. You really have to like it's proper existential. Like doesn't make yeah. you go, yeah, yeah. Ooh, that was some serious voice acting you had going on there, Scruff. <laughs> 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 oh yeah, Scruff's exactly right. It's, it, it, it's, it, really... it, it it makes you think about things in the same way if you're a gamer. That the Truman Show made you think about reality TV. Yeah. Uh, my recommendation this week is Night of the Creeps. It's not a porno. Uh, <laughs> 1986 film by uh, Fred Decker. Complete and utter slack film. Fred Decker made two pretty well-renowned films in the late 80s. He made Night of the Creeps and he made Monster Squad. And essentially he uh, was a massive fan of B-movies. So he took B-movies and just uh, tried to parody them. Not parody them, but on a way, deconstruct them and, and try and... Have a bit of fun with using B-movie tropes. Uh, essentially what Night of the Creeps is, is it is about these aliens dropping this sort of slug life being on Earth. They infect this teenage fraternity and then they become zombies and attack the campus. And it's just, you know what? It's knownly silly. It's really well shot. Some of the dialogue is knownly camp but really, really funny. And it mixes humour and actual pretty scary scenes really, really well. It's just a lot of fun. Uh, and it's only like again 90 minutes long so it's a nice wee easy watch we'll definitely give it a go can I work out bam scruff um I'm gonna recommend a really really shit film awesome it's, it's like it's it's a terrible terrible film all around it's a B movie it stars Anthony Michael Hall and um Noah Weil but it's just because of the new Steve Jobs film so I read it the Ashton Kutcher version is shite. It's the worst thing ever. Unfortunately, the, apparently the Danny Boyle one from the reports I'm hearing is pretty shite as well. No, everything I've heard is apparently amazing. It's bombing at the box office, mm. but that's not a good reflection. It's not all about yeah. money, Shan. Well, Fuck you and your capitalist ways. I, of course, well, Mikey, do you know me at all? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know I am the champion of people who... You're, 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 you're constantly stealing money off me. <laughs> I was fucking trying to get a tenner off of here. I've, I've owned them three DVDs for years. You know I'm the champion of films that don't make money. Fucking hipster. <laughs> she knows me two packets of McCoy's, like. Yeah. Hair knows me two multi-packs of McCoy's. <laughs> <laughs> so, in, in a light of, like... The sad thing is, it is true. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Scruff, go ahead. In, in the light of, uh, like, Jobs was just shocking. And Steve Jobs was actually quite good. Um, really looking forward to seeing it. 
there's a film called Pirates of Silicon Valley, and it's based on two books. One's called uh, Fire in the Valley, and the other's called Accidental Billionaires, uh, How the Guys of Silicon Valley Ended Up with Girlfriends and You Didn't, right? <laughs> it's a it's it's a TV movie. Uh, it's it's the story is quite good. The acting in it is shocking, and there's nothing there's nothing amazing about it. But the story is as true. The story is what actually happened, yeah. and it would be a good way to compare against like uh, either Jobs or Steve Jobs is coming out now. And I know we are at absolute fucking saturation point of that man's story jobs yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but it, it apparently uh, like when i watched it and i read the two books i was like like that's probably as close to what happened as the real thing and i really want to see how danny Boyle is going to really dramatize such a uh, fucking boring topic like and this this film is this film is say if anybody's the day it's fucking danny Boyle. Uh, yeah, yeah. if you can make heroin that like, i'm interesting like you know i mean you can make heroin interesting no but you see the thing is like this film actually shows the story. Heroin addicts are inherently interesting. Are they? No, they're interesting in the lives they lead, but the actual lives lead is, you know, a lot of it is just them lying about them a fucking tenement building. Like, yeah. Boring as fuck. But, but Pirates of Southern Valley is actually like... Clearly I haven't done enough heroin. It, 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 it goes with the story more than anything else. And, like, it's really funny because uh, Anthony Michael Hall played a nerd in The Breakfast Club. And then he beefed up, became his fucking mastering, and then he went back to playing Bill Gates, a proper <laughs> nerd. Like, and that's that's what you only see. And they no, bit that I, fuck out of no one. <laughs> no, no, I looks like a a proper carbon copy of Steve Jobs the whole way through this thing. It's it's like look back at like Time magazine of uh, Steve Jobs and Noel in the films. Like it, it is shocking. I couldn't even imagine them looking like each other, but they're good watching. It, it it's the story is quite good. Everything else is shite. It's a TV B movie, like. Well, either way, it's about a left field choice. We like yeah. it. Calm Hearn. Calm Hearn. Calm Hearn. Calm Hearn. Yes. Fucking recommendation. Colin Hearn. Colin Hearn. I recommend The Last Boy Scout. You ever seen that? Ah, oh, yes, Shane Black. Shane Black. I like um, it, I love it. Because we always talk about Lethal Weapon and we talk about la- uh, Last Action Hero and stuff. The Last Boy Scout is sort of the one that was always kind of forgotten between them. Did Shane Black write uh, mm-hmm. The Last Action? Uh, aye. Really? And he wrote Last Boy Scout as well. And he wrote I know, Le- yeah. And he wrote Lethal Weapon. And I bro- know, I knew you wrote the other two. I just didn't right. <laughs> but you know what? I reckon for Last Homer movies, Bingo, Lethal Weapon should probably be chucked on there too. That's probably quite uh, a bit. But anyway, continue. But I... Last Boy Scout uh, is, I think, a slight preempting to what Last Action Hero was going to be. It was a film that kind of nobody else kind of could have got done, apart from maybe Bruce Willis. Mm. The character was essentially Bruce Willis, park up there, gun, be yourself. Yeah. And he was a private eye, and he was this kind of thing, and, and so on. And, you know, it, it's, a, it, it's a great story, and it was... Uh, Directed by the late great Tony Scott, like, yeah. and it fucking has some seriously fucking amazing eighties elements about it. it. Has some fucking seriously sharp dialogue. It's Shane Black, like. I'll wrap it up in a supple few lines from the end of the film, where uh, Bruce Willis uh, is walking away. They're walking away from all the things they've resolved at the end of this film and stuff, and it's like walking off in the sunset with uh, one of the fucking Wayne's brothers. 
and uh, he uh, he turns around to him and says, uh, "I saw him thinking I need a partner. This boy used to be a fucking uh, footballer. This boy's <laughs> an American footballer, and so I saw him thinking I could do be a partner." And you're all in your head going, "This is obviously the stupidest fucking idea. <laughs> Why would any private detective in the right mind need a fucking partner who used to be a fucking American footballer?" Anyway. And uh, you're sitting there going, and he's just like, yeah, man, I could be your partner, man. And then uh, Bruce Willis turns around and goes, I, I bet this is the 90s, man. He's all, this is the 90s, man. He's all, uh, you know, if you're going to be a partner, you, you got to have some cool lines, they say. You know, okay? so, so, like, if you're fucking hitting some guy up by a surfboard, you got to turn around and just be like, surf's up, pal. <laughs> it's the kind of thing, so, so that's how it has to go. Like, you know, and it's just, I just find that, I personally find that sense of humor quite funny yeah. in films and it's Shane Black it's pure you know Kiss Kiss Bang Bang Iron Man 3 was full of it and stuff and uh, I know it's a if you like that sense of humor with Lethal Weapon Last Action Hero and stuff like this here I think Last Boy Scout's a wee bit of an uh, an overlooked film it's and what him. time would you watch it here in film times with Colm here Friday night by 9 o'clock boy oh yes Okay, I'm going to wrap it up there, folks. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can find us on Facebook, Let's Talk More Movies Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, at Talk More Movies, or you can email us, Let's Talk More Movies, at gmail.com. Also, a little thing I'm doing, Would You Rather, every week, and it turns out it's pretty hard to come up with Would You Rather questions. So <laughs> if you want to suggest your own questions, I would fully, fully appreciate it. You can find us on Let's Talk More Movies at gmail.com. Also, if you're interested in the screens we'll be putting on, just search Bennigan's Film Club on Facebook. You'll find us. You can like us, comment, and subscribe on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, and also on ACAST, where you can get interactive show notes and links. Best place to listen to us. I have been your host, Michael Breslin. Sean Cole has been Sean Coyle. Colm Heron's been Colm Heron. <laughs> Dominic Phelan has been an absolute criminal. Thank you very much. <laughs> and Scroff has been our live musician. Ooh. Episode 27, baby. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Let's talk more movies. Let's talk more movies. Has your dog ever been ashamed of you? It's a bit, it's a bit nice. It's a bit nice. Happy days. That was lovely, folks. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus. 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.